from the high desert in the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening or good morning, whatever the case may be and wherever you may be. Actually stretching from in the west, the Tahitian and Hawaiian island chains, all the way eastward over flyover country, that'd be us, to the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands, south into South America, north well to the pole, and worldwide on the internet, this is Coast to Coast AM. Good morning. And a very special good morning to our friends at Super Talk 940 in Miami, Florida. That's W-I-N-Z, Super Talk 940 in Miami, Florida. And they're a big one down there. So we kind of begin to mesh together along the Florida East Coast. Uh, because they come together, of course, with Super Talk 1400, which has been carrying my program since June of 96 in Fort Lauderdale slash Miami, and now Miami and on south, and other points as well, no doubt, because it is a big, big signal on 940. So, Super Talk 940, welcome to the network. And a very weird program. I won't even try to describe this program to you. It is indecipherable, even to me at times. <laughs> we talk about all kinds of things. Uh, we are in a particularly, uh, particularly interesting uh, time of year for the last, oh, 12 years. I have been doing something very special in the period between Christmas and the New Year. So it's the taint time. Taint Christmas, taint New Year's yet. And what we do is, you see, every year, I t during the year, let me back up a little bit, during the year I interview many prophets, people who, uh, as a profession or an avocation, I suppose, prophesize future events. They are, of course, very interesting. As a matter of fact, tonight you're going to hear from one of the most interesting, Sean David Morton, next hour. And he will talk of Area 51, Dreamland, whatever you want to call it. He will do predictions for 1998. He has the Delphi Associates newsletter and has been for a very long time a prophet. And he is fascinating. That'll be next hour. However, I thought that I would sort of lay the groundwork for this by telling you that in the next couple of days of broadcast, following tonight, including tonight, in a way, we will uh, record your predictions. That's right. The listening audience gets an opportunity to predict what they think will occur in 1998. Now, each year, we make a list and we assign a number to each prediction. And then at the end of the uh, the few days here, we, of course, uh, lock it up in the Bell family vault and drag it out the following year and check out the accuracy of the predictions that all of you have made. Now, I have in my hand recently released from the vault the predictions for 1997, and we will get to some of those in a moment. And we will take in this hour 
the first few predictions from all of you in the years 19, uh, for the year coming, 1998, in the next couple of days, we'll do a lot more of that. And then we will, of course, close it off again and hold it for a year. I'm looking at the first page here, and last year it looks like you did not so poorly, actually. Well, as you, I'm the news, Kaczynski, let's see, is not going to allow himself to be examined by government experts uh, with regard to his mental state. There is rumor that he made some sort of confession or tried to cop a plea and they didn't go for it. And now they're going to have to question the jury about whether they heard the story. A lot of snow in the deep south. The deep south in deep snow. Uh, let me see here. 48 killed over the weekend in Algeria. Muslim militants again hacking them to death in a mosque. And that kind of sums up the news. There really is not a whole lot of regular news going on out there, so it is a good time for us to be doing what we do in this period of time. Now, there is a little bit of uh, quickening-type news. The uh, government of Hong Kong has decided to slaughter all of their chickens. Now, this follows more news that this chicken flu that has now killed four, by the way, apparently is able to spread from human being to human being. And all I can say is this. If they have decided to kill 1.2 million chickens, and it already has begun, they are very scared. Something uh, truly horrible is going on in China. And we hope it does not become a pandemic. It comes under the category of new emerging horrid little stuff that could get us. Wouldn't it be terrible if in the end we didn't destroy ourselves with atomic weapons or something like that, but instead some little disease got us? Remember the interview last week with Richard uh, Preston? In Africa, more bad news. The disease there that was Ebola-like is now thought to be, get this, anthrax. I repeat, anthrax. That's from the World Health Organization. Uh, evidence includes symptoms, high fever, diarrhea, intestinal problems, vomiting, blood, uh, all similar to those of intestinal anthrax, a rare madam, hello, manifestation of the illness that causes stomach ulcers and inflames the intestines. So there you go. China slaughtering all its chickens. The disease in Africa that looked like Ebola is not and probably now thought to be anthrax. Uh, very high winds have hit Denver. Uh, some planes actually forced off the runway in Denver. And there's just a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of stuff going on in this sort of weird category. Let me review the first few predictions made last year by the prophets of the audience. Number one, 
Now, you're going to have to help me out here because I'm not going to know for sure on all of these whether they came true or not. And number one last year was that Jacques Villeneuve would be the Formula One world driving champion. And that is a definite ding, 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 ding. Correct. Now, there's a shot to take. Number two, that the Hale-Bopp Comet and the Companion, that you'll all recall being talked about so much, would turn out to be benign. Ding, 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 another winner. Number three, that the Chinese would become more expansionist. I have to say again, ding, 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 ding. Look at what they, look at what went on, uh, with the Chinese and Taiwan and big military ex exercise and all of that. Look at the contested islands. And number four, that immigration would be tightened. Ding, 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 ding. As a matter of fact, I just heard a story indicating that your best chance to get a, a green card here in the U.S. is to have a half million dollars. And actually, in a lot of ways, that makes sense. Now, number five, that Mr. Elway would win the Super Bowl. Bonk. <laughs> Bonk. That's an X. Uh, he did not. Number six, that there would be new information forthcoming on the Kennedy assassination. Now, I'm not sure how to rate that. I'll give it a tentative ding, 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 because there always is new information we are never going to know the real story. There have been so many stories with reference to the Kennedy assassination that if the absolute truth were suddenly revealed to us by somebody who came to a podium somewhere, it would simply be added to the pile of stories, and we'd never know the truth when we heard it. Number seven, that it would be the second rainiest year in Oregon and Washington. I can't tell you whether that one's really true or not, but I can certainly tell you that El Nino has been pounding away, and it has been very wet. I will give that a tentative ding, 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 ding. Uh, number eight, that uh, President Clinton would be assassinated in 1997. So far, of course, though there is a little time left, it's a definite bonk. He was not. Number nine, that Carolina and... Jacksonville make the Super Bowl. You've got to give that a bonk. Number 10, that um, somebody will ask the UN to intervene in the U.S. Bonk. They did not. And number 11, that four celebrities would be in an accident together. Four celebrities. I'm not sure. I'm going to put a question mark by that one, and maybe somebody can help me out. I, that may have happened during the year. I'm really not sure. Turning the page to number 12, somebody predicted last year that in 1997, Jesus would return. Monk. Not so far as I can tell. Number 13, that Rush Limbaugh would retire and run for political office. Bonk. Number 14, that China would become more capitalistic. Ding, 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 ding. Definitely. And number 15, that Castro would pass away. And I'm afraid that prediction was a little premature reference to the bearded one. Oh, and here's one. Number 16, Jimmy Carter breaks ankle while jogging. 
you know, it seems like I think that's a bonk, but I'm going to, I'm not sure. Uh, I recall something about Jimmy Carter during the year. Uh, number 17 last year was that uh, Hale-Bopp, the comet, would disintegrate. Bonk, it did not. It kept on trucking. Number 18, there would be a war in the Middle East. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how to rate that one. War is kind of ongoing in the Middle East. But a full-blown Mideast war, no, I would have to call that a bonk. Uh, let's see, number 19, that the Mars orbiter would vindicate Richard Hoagland's um, uh, work on Mars. And that has to be a bonk because we don't have the photographs back yet. So there you have the first 19 predictions made last year. Not bad, really. As a matter of fact, the first four were dead on. Let's see, that's four, five, six... Uh, six, seven, eight, seven, eight out of 19. That's really not bad. Uh, we will see. I've got a total of uh, 120 predictions from last year. In a moment, I am going to start taking your calls and officially recording your predictions for the year 1998. Now, this only occurs over a few days. Don't worry if you don't get in tonight because we have a guest. We are going to devote open lines over the next couple of days to getting you in for your prediction. So there you have it. Area 51, the alien interview. Predictions for 1998 for the balance of this hour, and we will pick it up, of course, uh, tomorrow night. So here we go. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Oh, great. I guess I'm number one here. You certainly are, and that is a big honor. Oh, great. Yeah, this is Vince in Chicago, Art. Yes, Vince. I'd like to elaborate a little on the uh, the house of cards that uh, Major Ed Dames talked about uh, in, in Asian markets, uh, financial uh, markets. All right. Well, my prediction is that in 1998, uh, the financial house of cards hits America. And uh, a lot of people that have bought into the... Uh, into all the good prosperity. Well, okay, now wait a minute. Um, the financial house of cards has already hit America. If you're talking about the impact of Asia on America, that's already history. But it really hasn't affected our stock market yet. Oh, yes, it has. Well, I'm going to make a prediction that uh, the Dow Jones average will trade down to 3,800 in 1998, <laughs> and it's about uh, 7,700 right now. Oh, yeah. you're. I, I, of course, you can make whatever prediction you want, uh, financial impact out to 3,800, but, Vince, I will bow down and kiss your foot if that happens. I don't think there's a chance. All right, do you have your money in the stock market right now? No. And neither do I, not most of it, you know, pretty much. And you know what, Art? Just about every one of my friends is, is uh, fully invested they're all fully invested in the stock market, and uh, well, that's just plain foolish. You, you know, I I have a feeling they're going to have their heads handed to them, and they're going to be crying. Well, look, their heads could be handed to them with far less of a loss than you have described. Uh, all right, Vince, thank you. I, I think predicting the Dow down to thirty eight hundred is a real dark horse. I don't see that occurring at all. I always thought there would be a ten or a fifteen percent correction someplace, and I still see that occurring myself somewhere after the first of the year.
But if you'll do the numbers, a 10 or 15 percent or even 20 percent a correction is not the absolute disaster that he just predicted. I think there is almost no chance of that. I hate to echo what an earlier president said, but the underlying economy is pretty doggone good right now. And so you're going to get fluctuations, you're going to get movement. Some people in some areas could certainly have their heads handed to them. But down to 3,800, no way. But I'll put it down. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Good evening, Art. My name is Pat. I'm calling from San Pedro, California, the L.A. Basin area. Yes, fine, Pat. Welcome. Art, about two months ago, I was fishing off the back end of Catalina Island, and I happened to have come across, come up, uh, about a craft that was hovering just above the water. And a uh, time lapse of about 10 hours took effect. As a matter of fact, the sun came up without me even knowing it. You mean you lost 10 hours of time? Ten hours of time minimum, and the reason why I know is because the area that I was I was in, I happened to have a Loran which checks the bottom of the ocean for uh, for its contour, and I had set the Loran at a certain time that I had found a spot. I had clicked it in, right? And when I went when I went back to it, it was ten hours later, and at that time, the only thing that I remember about the experience was that a um, a major contact with alien life will make place November 15th. Wait a minute. Ish. Wait a minute. Take place, right? Is what you're trying to say? Yes, that's what I was um, left with as far as the memory. Everything else was completely blank as far as what had happened during the 10 hours. All right. Alien I know life, a wait a minute. I, wait a minute. I've got to get this down. Uh, alien life contacts. Did you say January or November? When? November 15th. The November week of 15th. November 15th. Well, um, there will be major contact with um, alien um, um, entities, if you want to call them that. Did they describe the nature of the contact at all, just out of curiosity? Did, well... They didn't describe it, but the feeling that I was left with is that it's going to be quite substantial. And it's going to be somewhat on a friendly basis at first. And depending on mankind's reaction to it, it may get real nasty. Well, interesting. <laughs> All right, your prediction will be officially recorded as number two. Thank you very much, Hart. All right, thank you. Good luck, uh, world. So, yeah, good luck, world. <laughs> so there you have it. It was revealed to him alien contact occurs November 15th. Friendly at first, but then when you least expect it, we turn into potato chips or something. No, certainly possible. I mean, in a lot of ways, I suppose we could be considered a food source, a source of, heaven help us, nutrition. Some of us more nutritious than others. <laughs> you know, what if it turns out that those of us that have been eating junk food all our lives are lousy candidates to be an alien potato chip? Because we have too much junk food running around our systems. We wouldn't be good for them. <laughs> How many billions served so far? 
Well, I bet they could double that in about three days, huh? I'm Art Bell, and this is a weird program called Coast to Coast. Really, to hold open my east of the Rockies line for people listening to our new affiliate, uh, Super Talk 940 in Miami, or their close relative, sister, brother, whatever, in uh, Fort Lauderdale, WFTL. That would be, uh, let me see, Super Talk uh, 1400. And so to that line we go. You're on the air, top of the morning to you. Good morning. This is Super Talk 1400. <laughs> Fort Lauderdale. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. This is my, I, I have been listening to you for a long time, never called. But uh, I, I thought this was too good to pass up tonight. The opportunity to make a prediction. To make a prediction, yeah. Um, I think as the year goes on and, and we can look back a little bit and see it happening, is the separation between the sexes. Oh, no. I'm sorry, but I think that as women become not just independent but become more aware of what they want, right? they're going to tell... The men in their lives, this isn't it. <laughs> and um... <laughs> well, now let's let's examine this a little bit. Do you mean do you mean that women are going to begin actually completely giving up on men? I don't know. I I don't. I hope not. I mean, I certainly. I I don't intend to be well. Then, then okay. Then describe what you mean by separation. This is very important to us. I I men. think I think that women are going to become more self-aware, and will be better teachers to men. Better teachers to men. Um. Well. Okay. It's, it's starting, you know, I mean... I, let, 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 let me try a little further question then. What do you think it is that women need to teach men? Um, <laughs> one, certainly, would be communication and to lose the fear of intimacy that it, it's okay to hold my hand. It's okay to have a conversation with me that entails more than grunt. In other words, that uh, you are not a sex, sex object. Right. I, I don't exist just to make dinner, do your laundry, and when you happen to jump into bed, expect me to be there. <sighs> I, I, that I'm a real person. I guess we do have a lot to learn. Yeah, and ho hopefully, hopefully men will learn before it's too late. Before it's too late. You know, I have thought for many years, uh, and if you watch very carefully, I, I know that you're not going to confirm this is true, of course, but I have thought that women have been plotting something generally against men. Now, I, I have no way of knowing exactly what it is. but I know what you're going to say. You can look at women, and you can see them exchanging knowing looks every now and then. Why do you think women go to the bathroom in twos? Well, see, that's that's right. That's exactly it. You've hit it right on the head. <laughs> that's another place where information on the coming, whatever it is, is no doubt exchanged. Well, all right, your your prediction, a dire one indeed, is recorded officially as number three. And we'll be watching next year. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Uh, I've always thought that. 
sort of a secret society kind of thing. I mean, not exactly like the Illuminati. We're going to do an Illuminati line next year, by the way. <laughs> For members of the Illuminati. That should be fun. I'm not even sure what the Illuminati is all about. This will be my great opportunity to find out, I guess. We've had men in black lines and alien lines and you name it. So we're going to have an Illuminati. Well, I suppose it could be Illuminati slash uh, trilateral commission uh, type line for members. But I'm particularly interested in the Illuminati. So we'll do that sometime next year. Separation between the sexes, huh? I think she was holding back. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Hi. Where are you, pray tell? I'm in Barrie, Ontario. Oh, oh Ontario, Canada. Okay. <clears throat> yep, sorry. Yes, sir. Uh, would you like to make an official prediction? Sure would. Coming year, all right. Okay, um, <clears throat> excuse me. All right. I think that uh, Bill Clinton's going to announce uh, new national ID cards for all people in the USA. Really? Yeah. What about all of you up in Canada? I think so, too. All G7 and NATO nations. Really? Yeah. Well, we'll put down announces national ID card. Yeah, that would be according to... Clinton anti-terrorism bill number 666. <laughs> uh, you don't want to go that far as to predict the actual... Actually, I think we're... Well, that's already the anti-terrorism bill. I think... It, House, House bill number 666. Yeah, but I don't think there's uh, presently any part of uh, a national ID card in that right now, is there? Well, I think that they're signing on to it in the uh, anti-terrorism summit they had. They already signed on to it. And so let's just say he does that for the sake of conversation, all right? When it comes time for you to get yours, yeah. maybe to turn in your Social Security card, have your ID checked, and get your new national ID card, would you refuse? Well, cards don't bother me. It's, it's the oath that goes along with getting the uh, citizenship ID card. I thought I would refuse. What kind of oath? Well, generally, you have to take a absolute oath of allegiance, you know. No, I never heard that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're already a citizen. I would presume that every citizen would be entitled to a national ID card. Well, you would imagine so, but generally, whenever you get a government ID, you usually have to sign, you know, some kind of contract where you say the words I solemnly swear a few dozen times. Plus, I will pay my taxes. I respect the IRS as a legitimate organization. That kind of thing. Yeah, all those things. Plus, you know, your standard, your standard American or European absolute oath of allegiance. You know, to international laws and and your, you know, your multicultural nation and all. Really, that type of thing. Yeah. All the horribly politically correct things that everybody fears, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, it's got to be in the good book at James 512 or something, you know. Okay. I, well, all right. Uh, number four. It is recorded officially as number four. Uh, now, you look at the first four that we had last year. Again, the Jacques Villeneuve will be the Formula One driving world champ, a winner. Hellbop and Companion turn out to be benign, a winner. Chinese become expansionist, a winner. 
immigration tightened a winner. And you look then at the first four that I have received in already in this hour. One, um, a big financial impact domino theory, Dow down to 3,800. I bet that one doesn't have a chance. Uh, two, alien life contact, uh, the week of no November 15th. That's got to be a long shot. Uh, a further separation between the sexes and Bill Clinton announcing a national ID card. I don't think the first four have as good a chance this year as obviously you did last year. Just an opinion. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. How you doing, Art? I'm fine. Where are you? I'm in Coral Gables, Florida. Coral Gables. All right. Welcome to the program. All right. You're on the air now. We don't screen calls. Okay. Um, what I'd like to do is predict um, that one of the Goodyear blimps is going to blow up and uh, end up in the uh, end up and crash into one of the sporting event fields. Oh man, that's horrible. Goodyear. I I think they don't use um, the same sort of uh, lash up they used to use that would blow up blimps. Well, I don't. I'm not saying it's going to blow up, but it's going to end up on the playing field, and it's going to cause some injuries. All right. Um, that's quite a wild prediction. Uh, would you care to tell us the basis? In other words, how do you come up with that? Did you see it in a vision? I'm, yeah, I'm visioning this. I'm going to say probably at a baseball sporting event. Probably baseball. <sighs> baseball game, boy. All right. Uh, well, we've got you. Uh, you are officially number five. Okay, Art. Thank you. Uh, horrible. A Goodyear blimp blowing up, or if not blowing up, then crashing into a field. The record for the Goodyear blimps has been tremendous. As a matter of fact, I heard John, uh, John Madden in one of the games this last weekend say there are three new Goodyear blimps presently under construction. I don't think one has ever come down, has it? Not that I know of. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. How are you doing? I'm fine. Yeah, it's Cheryl in Las Vegas. Yes, sir. Um, Mammoth is uh, going to explode, causing a great deal of damage to uh, the Vegas area. To Vegas? Yeah. Um, what kind of damage would you expect uh, in Vegas from Mammoth? Oh, I would say the uh, stratosphere will be the uh, leaning tower of Vegas. Uh, oh. I'd say about a six-pointer. Oh, my. Yeah, that's right. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near... How tall is that thing? 1,800? No, it's about 800 or so feet. Yeah, about 800 feet. I thought it was 1,800. No. No, um... No, or it's or maybe he wanted to make it that high and they wouldn't let him. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, it scares me to go up there now. So you think Mammoth is going to blow, huh? Yeah, I sure do. Have you been up to the top of the stratosphere? No. Las Vegas, to, no? To tell you the truth, I'm afraid to, uh, to get up there. Um... I, too, have something of a fear of high buildings. I don't, there's something untrustworthy about them. Well, after the uh, quake we had in... Uh, it's just uh, not natural to build things that high. <laughs> no. No, not after that quake in 94. I, uh, it, that's just too high. All right, my friend. Gotcha. Okay, thanks. Right. Mammoth explodes. Well, certainly that is possible. Uh, there have been a series of ongoing swarming earthquakes at Mammoth. 
And one of these days, there is going to be a new volcano at Mammoth. Uh, good morning. You're on the air coast-to-coast -coast AM with Art Bell. Where are you calling from, please? Enid, Oklahoma. Enid, Oklahoma. All right. You're going to have to speak into your telephone oh, I'm sorry. at a high decibel rate so we can all hear you. Okay. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Do you have for us a prediction for the Yes, I do. do. I think the big one, the big earthquake in California that everybody's been anticipating is going to happen this year. Really? Yeah. Where? In Southern California along the fault line. It's going to devastate, totally devastate Southern California. Buildings falling down, freeways it's be, it's collapsing. It's going to be somewhere in the eight or nine point range. Eight um, or nine point range? Yes. Well, somewhere in there. That'd pretty well flatten LA, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would pretty much knock down everything that's there. Now, how has this come to you? In a vision? Yeah, more in a vision. I really don't have any seismographic proof to back it up. I was just in here thinking, and that's been waiting for a long time since the last earthquake back there mm. that they had the real big one. Uh, you are, you're in Oklahoma. Yeah. Did you used to live in L.A.? No, I didn't. No. No, I've never lived if in If you were, uh, what kind of work do you do? Oh, I'm a student at the University of Oklahoma. Uh-huh. Uh, near graduation? No, actually, I'm just a freshman. If somebody were to offer you let's say, a three-quarters of a million dollar per year job in L.A., mm -hmm. would you go? Mm. Mm. Three-quarters of a million dollars is quite a bit of money. $750,000 a year. I don't know. I don't think I would. I see. Really? Well... It's a lot of money. Yeah, that is a lot of money, especially to a college student. Let's push it up a little bit and call it an even million. I don't think I could resist that. Uh -huh. I, I, wanted, I wanted to test the threshold of your uh, I don't think I could because I'm a musician, and that sounds like someplace I'd go for, <laughs> for a contract <laughs> like that. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, and your uh, prediction is officially recorded now as number seven. Thank you very much. You Love bet. Show. Take care. And, and we, of course... We'll lock these in the Bell family vault. Uh, after we do the final prediction show, uh, which will be, I think, in three days. And these will be held, and then, of course, we will review them the following year. Uh, let me see. Again, for 1997, number 20 was that there would be a 20% drop in the market. Bonk. We did not get a 20% drop here. Uh, number 21, that North Korea would invade South Korea. Bonk. They did not. Number 22, there would be a cure for cancer. Uh, bonk. Sorry. Wish there could be number 23, that Hail Mary, that we named the companion, and Hail Bop would be the same thing. Ding, ding, ding. Well, of course they were. Now, let's see. Number 24, the Pope would die. Bonk. The Pope did not die. In fact, I was in Rome and saw him myself. So he is a little frail, but hanging in there. Number 25, that Mother Teresa would die. Sadly, ding, 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 ding. That one is correct. And number 26, that Area 51 goes public. Well, that is the secret area I am adjacent to here, as you well know, and it has not gone public. Is doing everything it can keep 
uh, it can do to keep uh, silent. It is being sued. And so there has been a little more public stuff about it, but it is as secretive as ever. Oh, check this one out, the next one. Hillary has Chinese connection. Ooh. Ooh. You know, the, the president could be said to have a Chinese connection. I'm going to call that a, a possible ding, 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 ding. All right? And number 28, there would be a big meteor shower. Well, as you know, a gigantic meteor, what they're calling a meteor, impacted in Greenland. So you would have to give that a ding, 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 ding. There was a big one. As a matter of fact, uh, I understand that uh, the impact is being talked about in the kiloton, tens of thousands of kiloton range. And they may have found, late word has it, the impact site of whatever it is that crashed into Greenland. Very, very interesting story, and I'm staying on top of that one. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, my predictions for 98 is... Where Where are you? Uh, I'm sir? in uh, Atoka, Oklahoma. Atoka, Oklahoma. And your prediction is... The Pope dies in February. Yeltsin oh. dies in February. Wait a minute. That's already a lot of death. A nine quake in the Bay Area on 522. Wait. Uh, hold it. First of all, I'm only taking one. Give me your best shot. I can only take one prediction per person. Okay. Nine quake in the Bay Area in, on 522. Why 522? Uh, that happens to be a specific date. Well, I know that. That, um, has come to me via yeah. uh, UFO aliens. Cool. All right. I've got it. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, I guess I should lay down the rules. Uh, number one, it is one prediction per caller. Not a whole string of them. Give me your best shot. All right. Number two, the only nobody is allowed to send any predictions in by fax. The only predictions that I take are ones that are made here on the air. This is for obvious reasons, so they are documented, so that next year when we review the uh, predictions, if necessary, we can go back to the real audio files. You can and verify them. Uh, or for that matter, I will maintain my list, but we will have all heard them together. There will be no opportunity for fraud because everything will have been heard and recorded on the air. So do not make predictions by fax. Do not make predictions by email. I simply will not take them. You must get on the air to make an official prediction for the coming year. So we will continue uh, as time goes on. Now I'm going to kind of put all this away for tonight because we've got Sean David Morton coming on next. But we will pick up and continue all night tomorrow night and the following night with predictions. No question about it. It's very interesting. It is, uh, it does give you, the listener, the participant, the opportunity to establish yourself, I suppose, through the years as a virtual Nostradamus. And who knows? 
we may find a new Nostradamus. There's probably one out there somewhere, but there are so many psychics and claimed psychics out there that it's hard to distinguish. But recording them officially on the air, after a few years of hit, 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 well then who knows, you might be on here as a guest. And a guest is what we have coming up next, Sean David Morton. Psychics, futurists, astrologers, and Nostradamus scholars who have all come together with a sacred vow and mission to warn, educate, and enlighten mankind and future generations. So that is not the newsletter, that is the associate group. They do produce, though, the Delphi Associates newsletter, which began publication in March of 1993 to counteract the panic and fear that was being generated in the metaphysical New Age community about the destruction of California and the world. Since our first publication, we have become the premier publication in America on prophecy, prediction, and phenomenology. I guess that's right. Our record for successful predictions remains unmatched and unique. We will ask about that. We are literally the only ones left standing in the field due to our phenomenal success ratio. The Delphi Associates newsletter has also broken a number of exclusive stories, which have become, uh, of course, worldwide news, such as the interview with the Pleiadian contact, Adrian, and the story of the Alien 51 interview. So there you have it. We'll tell you how you can get that newsletter, of course, as the program continues. But here is Sean David Morton. Uh, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you, Art. It's 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 great to great to talk to you again. It's so nice to be back on the show, and so nice to uh, uh, to talk to everybody out there. And you know, just once again, you're doing a fantastic job with everything that you're doing. And, and congratulations on your on your success. Oh, well, when we thank started you. doing this back in back in 1993. Uh, you know, mm. who would have thought that? Uh, who would have gotten so huge and would have gotten so so big, and that there were so many fantastic and and intelligent people out there uh, listening to the show and really vibing into uh, you know to what it is that you're doing. So I'm just glad that you've managed to uh, really hit the nerve and really uh, uh, really be on top of so much of what's going on. So 97 has been a really wild year for me personally, uh, both in in the good and bad column. I mean, it has been the best and the worst in in so many ways. How so? Uh, well, I, I, I'd rather not get, you know, personal stuff. Okay, sorry. But, but absolutely the best and the worst. I mean, it has been a year of extremes for me personally. Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing that anybody wants to know about a prophet, Sean, is the prophet's record. In other words, how have you done? Before we begin, obviously, discussing what is going to occur, it would be valuable to lay the groundwork and know what you have done. Maybe tell us more about the Delphi Associates, how you come up with your predictive material, and what your success rate is. Okay. Well, uh, let's let's open with that. Uh, first off, uh, just to, uh, let me just define the word very, very, very briefly. When people, it, it seems to, you know... <laughs> The word "profit" seems to push everybody's buttons. I know. Uh, you know, they, you know, people jump up and down and they get all crazy and and uh, say, "Well, you know, if you're not right 100 percent of the time, then you'll be struck down by God and you should be taken out of out of town and stoned and et cetera, et cetera." Mm. Um, it, it was originally a word which just meant teacher of righteousness. It had Has to anybody ever thrown a stone at you, by the way? No. <laughs> <laughs> a few, few tomatoes, maybe, but uh, right. you know, a, a few uh, a few harangues and. Uh, 
you know, a few uh, petards being hoisted by, I suppose. But it's uh, the uh, example of it is just that the original word in the Hebrew meant uh, teacher of righteousness or actually singer of righteousness because mm-hmm. they used to uh, they used to put the prophecies and the uh, you know the word of the Creator to music and used to sing them to people because it made you know usually ignorant people that couldn't read or write it made it easier for them to remember all the various laws and codes and and it wasn't so much nobody ever called upon you know Isaiah to predict the exact date of an earthquake or you know when a particular person was going to die it, it had more to do with um them basically saying that if you don't obey certain laws and and and, and certain codes that certain things will happen to the nation and will happen to the people and constantly in the uh in the scriptures we always find that there is a you know there's always a, a rotating cycle that that the people are usually enslaved and from slavery you always get the cycle where they want to whether it's physical slavery or, or economic slavery like we're in now um they want to you know learn the laws of truth and become more spiritual and and through spirituality comes the willingness to fight and from the willingness to fight comes freedom and from freedom comes prosperity and from prosperity comes materialism and from materialism comes apathy and then of course from apathy comes slavery again and most of the stories of of the old testament just show how the nation of israel goes through all of these these cycles where they learn the laws and you know are eventually enslaved because of their disobedience to them are we are we still in those cycles of course there's not a single thing in the uh biblically uh, you know whether or not it's it's uh you know ufo sightings you know that, that they were called angels at that time or prophecy or dreams it's it's like in the book of luke where it says and there will be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity and and the sea and the waves roaring that's uh luke 26 uh 25 where are we now in that cycle uh, right now, as far as the United States is concerned, it's it's kind of a an odd dichotomous uh, cycle. We're at the we're in the last year, the seventh year of what I call a tribulation cycle. But we're also in the seventh year of a, of an epi, an economic upswing at the same time. Oh yes. So it's very interesting how this seven year cycle of the economic ups, upswing is going to end uh, on the new moon, which is right around it's right around October first of this next year because. Uh, both political cycles and economic, specifically stock cycles, follow the Jewish calendar because the Jewish calendar is actually based on uh, lunar cycles, and you can actually track and uh, predict various financial cycles and, and, of course, Earth cycles by the lunar cycles, which is what they used to plant with. Um, they initially used these cycles of seven, and they had to do with the jubilees, and there was a whole code which you know I don't Sean, know. is that is that what the farmers almanac used to uh, talk about planning and so forth yeah they always use the cycles of seven and the cycles of seven are is that in the seventh year uh you're supposed to let your land lie fallow for one year because it uh, it returns the nutrients and the minerals to the topsoil here, here. and then it breaks the pest cycle at the same time so you don't need genetically engineered seed and you don't need uh you know all of these pesticides but in the seventh year also, biblically, you are also supposed to repudiate all contracts, uh, free all slaves or indentured servants, uh, let everybody out of jail, um, allow people to return to the country. In other words, it was a general amnesty. So every seven years, everybody got a chance to start over, which is, by the way, where our... It's very America's interesting. Did you know, Sean, that in California, a contract is only legal for seven years? In other words, you all keep... the United States. Is that right? Yes, sir. 
Seven, seven years is where we get our contractual law. Huh. It's where we get our bankruptcy law. You're only allowed to file personal bankruptcy once every seven true. years. That's true. It's where we get our statute of limitations laws. Everything that's not a capital crime, if you can run away from the police for seven years or more, you're, then, you're free and clear. Right. So this is where we get all these laws from. It comes from the, uh, the first five books of the Old Testament, the original Mosaic Code, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So every seven years, you let the land lie fallow, and you do all these things. You give everybody in the everybody in the society a chance to start over fresh and clean. And seven times seven is then forty-nine. And in the forty-ninth year, the biggest cycle has to do with you let the land lie fallow for two years. And in the 49th and 50th year, you don't grow crops. I don't think our agricultural community has been adhering to no. that lately, right? <laughs> well, as you can see, why they have all the acts of God that are occurring in the Midwest, why they have the, you know, the fires and the floods and the, and the heats, it's because they, they're literally drying out the land in such a way. And of course, the, the biblical laws about food were always the most stringent because if the food is bad, the people get weak, and they eventually cannot defend themselves, and they'll eventually be taken over and enslaved. Well, by, by isn't it in interesting that you would say that? Because there are so many reports now of a dearth of minerals in our food and a general lessening of our immune systems. Mm -hmm. And is that what that's from? Uh, absolutely. 100%. It's because, of, and, and, and that's also why they, they have to continue to increase the pesticides. The next thing is, is that, you know, they're irradiating food, and the irradiation of food in and of itself is not too horrible, but the point of what they're trying to do is they're trying to kill the seeds so that so that nobody can take an irradiated apricot and go out and grow an apricot tree because it kills the kernel and the actual seed inside the fruit. So what does a farmer have to go do? They have to go to a genetic engineering house for their seed. I mean, it's eventually going to be a huge scam that's going to grow and grow and grow as these mega corporations try to ease out the family farmer and, uh, you know, try to take over the single most valuable asset in the United States, which is the central part, the Midwestern part of the United States, which grows the food. Okay. And, of course, that area, I mean, America's number one industry uh, is still agriculture, whether, you know, I, I don't care how much industry we've got, agriculture is still far and away number one. I mean, everybody's got to eat. So, but... Um, the, these large industrial farms uh, that we have moved toward, now the era of the small farm is damn near over. Yeah, unfortunately. And we've got the big industrial farms, and I don't think they're adhering to this uh, seven-year plan at all. And that's going to be, you know, you, you watch what's going to happen in the next in the next couple of years as, uh, because of this, the, the food yields per capita or, or per acre are becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. And, of course, the, the food is, is, is not as nutritious as it used to be, and they're going to need more and better pesticides as the as the bugs begin to adapt and et cetera, et cetera. And the biggest thing about these cycles is, is that in the 50th year, you declared what was called a grand jubilee. Mm. And the grand jubilee was you did everything that I just told you. You repudiated the contact uh, uh, contracts. You freed all the indentured servants. You did everything I just said, with the exception of, and this was the most important thing, that if you owned, if your ancestors or your family owned a piece of land, like, for example, if, if I had a farm, and you, something happened to my farm and you foreclosed on my farm, right. you could only control my ancestral land for a period of 50 years or less, and then the land would go back to the people that originally owned it. And the gist behind this is, is because uh, biblically they realized that every 50 years, 
all all land changes hands anyway, and it, it either changes hands through bankruptcy or it changes hands through revolution or through war. So they just found a a peaceful way to make sure, and this was the biggest thing about the Old Testament, and this is the biggest thing that everybody today has forgotten, is that these laws and codes were designed to protect all of the people down at the bottom. In other words, to keep the land and the money from accumulating in the hands of 1% of the people. Actually, you're not even allowed to be buried on your own land, are you? No, no, no well, unless you live in Montana or something. I think it's, uh, you know, that's, you have to go someplace else. So you're right. You're right. A land every 50 years would change hands, would change one it. way or the other. One way or the other, and you're seeing the economic cycle. It's just that that's occurring now in the United States, and it's my belief that the cycle of the U.S. and well, you know, hopefully we've got some time tonight because we'll go through. I've got this whole list of things we'll go through as oh, to I have time. What we're seeing, um, the it's my belief that everybody believes that the United States was begun in. 1776, you know, July 4th and Independence Day. But that's just when we declared our independence. We right. didn't actually become a nation until there was the ratification of the Bill of Rights, and that was in you know, September 27th of 1991, was actually uh, George Washington took the oath of office as, as President of these United States, April 30th of 1789. But then the Articles of Confederation and the actual Bill of Rights were then signed and ratified, and the 13 colonies finally did not come together uh, under a sort of a unified government until um, 1791. So All right, why is this distinction important? Because I believe that that's when the cycle began, that I think that that particular, oh. and it, it also correlates directly with the Hebraic uh, Jubilee, which the forefathers were very, very uh, aware of. As a matter of fact, as astrologers, they they understood... <laughs> They understood, and it, it, there was a few astrologers among the forefathers, and the trine of government was laid out in such a way that the original birth of the country and the signing of the Declaration of Independence was under uh, the most powerful aspect of cancer. And cancer rules, uh, it rules motherhood, it rules family, it rules community, it rules food. Uh, it's basically a, a passive feminine submissive water sign that was, that was to be a mother, like the Statue of Liberty, literally the mother country to all of its citizens. Right. Um, and then the elections were then placed the first Tuesday in November, and this was to, once again, the second of the Grand Water Trines, was to actually take advantage of the sexual regenerative power of the sign of Scorpio, which is revolution, which is dirt coming up from the bottom, which is uh, the power of the people to literally regenerate their own destinies. <laughs> and then the president, this was the most interesting thing, because this is when the whole country changed. The presidency used to be, the president used to be inaugurated on the first Tuesday in March, because that was then the grand water trine, so that you had three water or passive feminine submissive signs, if you will, that were all in service to the people. And of course, Pisces, being the most feminine and most submissive sign in the zodiac, the most service-oriented sign in the zodiac, they wanted the president to be the most servile of the government officials. All they wanted him to do was just to preside, not as a ruler, but just to preside over over the republic, which is why he's called the preside, the president or the president. And that was the first uh. Tuesday in March, which was usually about March third or so. So okay. this completed the grand water trine of how the country was actually originally set up. And when FDR met with his astrologers, and they told him that if you change the day of the inauguration to January 22nd, or the third Monday in January, 
that you will be king for life. And he did it. He, he used the, uh, he used the depression as a, uh, saying, I've got to get in office right now to institute my reforms. And he instituted what I believe was the 20, 21st Amendment, I think it was, which changed the, uh, I mean, it was so important they actually wrote it as an amendment into the Constitution as to when these things were supposed to happen. So you are telling us then, um, what you use as a predictive baseline, well, and, and you're using all the old ways versus the new ways. Yeah, well, that's just the baseline. I'm just, and that's mostly for economics and also for uh, uh, you know patterns for Earth changes. Now, myself as a, as a sensitive, I've been sitting here working with the maps, and when I put myself into a meditative state, I've got maps actually covering my entire room right now, and I've been going state by state trying to project myself forward to this, I learned a very interesting technique that actually looking at these maps, I then try to take time frames, and by looking at the maps and meditating on what's going on with the maps, I'll just take, I'll run my hands over the maps and I'll literally get an energy, like a like a spark, like a, a heat that'll come off the maps into my hand, then I'll put my hand over a particular area and then I'll be able to feel like say January, February, March, April, May, and it, and the energy begins to build. It, it it builds into a into a plateau, if you will. It's almost like running your hand up the top of a hill, and then there's a flat area where you have like an event horizon. Then it goes dip back down the other side, hmm. and that's one of the ways that I've been as as accurate as I've been in uh, in predicting. Uh, How accurate have you been? Oh my goodness! Well, let me see. I was on. Uh, Matter of fact, I was on your show in '93 when I predicted the Northridge quake. Right. Uh, we published it in the newsletter. It was October 1st of 1993, where I gave the exact uh, epicenter of the Northridge quake, uh, gave the destruction zones of where the where where it was going to destroy along the 101 freeway. Um, I missed the exact date of the quake by 10 days. I was off because I said it was going to the plateau. I was feeling was starting December 25th through January 7th, and then there was a plateau from January 7th through the rest of the month. And actually, the quakes began on the 7th of January with quakes out in the Santa Monica Bay, which then built up to the uh, uh, the, the Northridge quake. And There's of course, no question about it. You hit that one in the nose. Hold on. We are at the bottom of the hour. Sean David Morton is my guest. He is a prophet. Let that word stir what it may within you. And he will be back, and he will prophesize. This is Coast to Coast AM. Northridge uh, earthquake. Uh, why don't you roll over some of your other hits? Uh, I predicted in the, in the actually that exact same newsletter, the Los Angeles and Malibu fires, and, I, and I'm actually only starting with uh, I'm only starting with the stuff that's actually printed in the newsletter. I'm not going back to um, when I predicted and I took prayer, prayer groups up to Mount Shasta in October of 1989 when. I had written letters to a number of organizations. I didn't have a publication then, but uh, the San Francisco earthquake in 1989, that was October 17th, uh, the Loma Prieta earthquake. Um, the Kobe earthquake, which was a year later, I right. was in Japan, uh, in Osaka specifically. Also, when I was uh, when I was touring Japan, I also predicted the resignation of uh, Prime Minister Hosegawa when I was there, and he actually, uh, uh, that made most of the major newspapers in Japan. 
the eruption of Montserrat, that was a big one. Uh, that was at the Whole Life Expo here in, uh, here in Los Angeles. And then again in the newsletter, I hit the fires in Reno, uh, the, the, the fires and the floods in Reno two years in a row. And all of this is well documented yeah, all, one way or the other. Know, it's in the newsletter. And the right. reason that I, the reason I print the newsletter is so that, so that we'll, you'll have a, uh, a record of exactly where it was, when the date was, when it went out to people, so that it's not just some hairy fairy thing like your grandma says. Well, I knew that was going to happen, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. And which which happens so much, or people that you know go back into their books and you know and change predictions or or change dates for predictions, et cetera, et cetera. Not that time is is not a malleable thing, and not that, uh, that that things haven't changed. I mean, I think the greatest thing about 1998, and I've been saying this since I started doing this a long time ago, is that we'll finally be able to, well, not completely discount, but at least get over uh, a, a lot of the stuff that Edgar Casey was saying about 1998, that the West Coast was going to fall into the ocean and that Colorado was going to be a new seaport, et cetera, et cetera. Edgar Casey's prophecies and predictions had a validity to them, but I, it, is, it is my belief, obviously, that the planet that we live on is very much a hologram, is, is very much a something that we all create with the force and the power of our mind, which is what quantum physics is finding out now. And if I did not think that by doing this kind of work that these things could not be changed, you know, I'd be, you know, I'd be living up in Idaho somewhere with a, you know, in a shack with a gun and, and uh, you know, not doing this at all. So right, it, Writing manifestos. Well, yeah, writing manifestos. Uh, what, the what? Penthouse. So the, the, best, the best prophets are the people that, are the people that people listen to. I mean, Jonah is the classic example of being one of the few guys in the Old Testament who actually did his job. He went into a town, spoke to the people, told them what was going to happen unless they changed. Everybody repented, burned their clothes in the the square, prayed, meditated, and fasted for that day, and they were spared. Um, Everybody else, the prophets come in and they preach the gloom and doom, and everybody says, well, you're you're just crazy, you're just nuts, we're not going to do anything about it, and and they're destroyed. As a matter of fact, just to continue this here, um, the last two major San Francisco earthquakes, they were the biggest ones they'd had in six years. April 18th of 96 was a 4.5, a 4.6, and a 4.9. And then May 21st of 96 was a 4.9 and a 5.1. I, I gave those exact two dates on the national television program Hard Copy. Right. And they were also given, um, you know, almost a year in advance. Now, now there's, there's kind of an interesting mistake because what happened was is that I, I had called the quakes the exact dates of the quakes, right. but I thought they were going to be much larger than they were. So, you know, there's an aspect of being right but being wrong. That's, you know, that's, that's an, an aspect of this. How do you think that happens? In other words, that you get the major part of it right, you get um, the date right, but you don't get you know, the magnitude. I mean, it's human error. It's just, you know, when you get something from spirit and, you know, you work with the maps and, and you know, the, the spirit of the creator comes in, all right, well, here, here comes the barb that you were expecting. Okay. Um, Art, according to Webster's Dictionary, a prophet is one who utters divinely inspired revelations. That's it. Um, divinely inspired, key phrase. Well, that's Webster's. That's not exact. That's not, that's not the, the Hebrew definition. That's just the, that's the modern English definition of it. The Hebrew definition is actually a singer of righteousness or a, or a teacher of righteousness. And, you know, I, 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 for some reason we got started on this on the show. <laughs> you know, maybe I should just call myself something a lot less threatening, like a, like a futurist. But, you know, obviously it just makes everybody insane and everybody crazy. About I think Gordon Michael Scallion calls himself that. Yeah, that would be futurist. probably easier. It, it would probably be easier to just say I'm, I am an earth-sensitive, 
who, uh, you know, and I'd also like to, I mean, early on in the show, because I'll be mentioning him throughout the show, um, the group of people that, 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 that come together, that sort of focus around the newsletter, um, you know, Robert Egan, my Nostradamus scholar, uh, you know, who we jokingly call Nostrababus, uh, you know, yes. Robert's had some very bad health problems this year. He's had some gout. He's had some very high medical bills. He's had a heart attack, but, you know, he just keeps plowing through because he's so dedicated to the work. I, you know, I want to talk about, uh, Stacy Dean, who is a, a, a wonderful astrologer who lives in Las Vegas. I want to talk about Serena Wright, who's another astrologer that works with this. Uh, you know, I, I want to, um, so these are all people who contribute. These are all people who contribute. What, usually how it works is that, you know, I, when I get a, when I get a, a, a vision, or like tonight, I'm working with the maps, and I've been working with the maps all week, I'll call these people on the phone and say, look, this is what I'm getting. Now, there's been a lot of disagreements in the group, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you about the disagreements in the group. We've got two very diverse attitudes or opinions within the Delphi Associates as to how they see certain things coming. Ultimately, it filters through me of what of what connects for me, what I think is right, and what I what I see in the future. Because you know, I'm I'm the one stuck with it. I'm I'm the one that ultimately have to take the rap if it's right or wrong. So, but it's great because we have all these different levels. And what I try to do with the newsletter is say, okay, this is what I see. Here's the confirmation from Stacy. Here's a confirmation from Serena. Uh, you know, I get. Uh, Nostra Bob is working on a, you know, see if you can search the quatrains. You know, I'm getting a particular thing. Can you, is there something in the Nostradamus quatrains that would verify something like this? So it's a, you know, it's a wonderful gang of people that just are so excited about doing this. Um, and uh, it's one of the reasons why, you know, we're sort of the only ones left standing because we've actually been consistently, you know, correct. Or All right, and for the benefit of the audience, your claimed accuracy rate uh, which you claim you can document well, is I, about eighty-five percent. I, it's it's tough. I don't know if I can claim a percentage. I mean, there, there's just certain things where, um, you know, you'll hit one prediction that's so right and so amazing, and then you'll have another, uh, uh, you know, another prediction that will be, uh, you know, just flat out wrong. And you know, you can go beat that with a stick and say, uh, well, you give know, me give me an example of a flat out wrong flat one out that wrong I can prediction. beat. The yeah. flat out wrong prediction was. Um, the Peruvian hostage crisis was a classic. We saw a terrorist act in Peru. Right. Um, when all these people were taken hostage, the prediction was is that uh, uh, that they would that they would assault the building and that the hostages would be killed. And they weren't. At the very last second, uh, somebody found out that one of the hostages had a pager on them, and they managed to get a message through on the pager that allowed all those people to sort of lay low. When the gorillas attack, it's just one of those sort of acts of God that is, you know, a blessed event actually. But that's once again how human consciousness is actually changing the nature of uh, uh, changing the nature of how uh, how these events occur. And right. I, I very much think, boy, do I think that there was a timeline in which all of the Edgar Casey prophecies and predictions were were right on track. And that timeline has literally physically changed because of intelligent action. And Edgar Casey himself always said that anything can be changed by intelligent action. And the greatest thing is, and and you know, and whether or not I'm gonna give you a big head saying this or not, Art, I, I don't know. But I am telling you, through your show and through the fire that you ignite in people by doing the kind of things that you do, you have managed to change very much the fate and destiny of much of mankind because they hear you and they see the articles about you and you're you're putting you know marvelous guests on the air that are enlightening people 
it's changing the consciousness so I much. Have, I have wondered about that, Sean. Really, I have wondered about that. And I've, I don't get a big head uh, as a result of it, but I've, I've mulled that over. In other words, we present a lot of times the very worst that could occur if there are not changes. And sure, I suppose if the whole theory of timelines and uh, various um, permutations of futures are... If that's really true, then yes, a program like this could actually affect what occurs. Uh, and, and because of the fact that even quantum physics is now telling us that the observer affects the object that is being observed. Correct. That in fact we live in, in a holographic universe where, 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 where thought is the thing. That thoughts are things. That that is, that if you change the mind, you change everything else that, that, that comes from that. Everything else is just a shadow of that universal spiritual soul reality. And if you can change that, you can change the timeline. I, you know, I can tell you that there's a timeline where, you know, the government was shattering and there was all sorts of, uh, a lot of major, major changes going on that didn't happen, I think, because a lot of people got angry in 1994 and voted a lot of people out and changed certain aspects of the government. And, you know, so a lot of things that were going to occur are now have been softened, have been lessened. The, the greatest example of this would be, for example, Jose Arguelles. Jose Arguelles wrote a book called The Mayan Factor in the 1980s. Right. He said that if 144,000 people could get together on August 16th, 17th, and 18th of 1987, which, the, which was the harmonic convergence, that all of the Mayan prophecies would be pulled down by a factor of 10, that they would still occur, but they would not be anywhere near as severe. And, of course, millions of people got together for harmonic convergence and prayed for each other and came together in love and grace and joy, and all these incredible things happened. And I, I literally think that the timeline changed in 87. It changed again in 93 when we had when I was the only person out here in California, it seemed, that was saying, look, California's not going to drop into the ocean. We're going to have a big quake very late 93, early part of 94, Everything's going to be okay. I mean, I had friends literally moving out of town, moving to New Mexico, moving to Colorado, oh, yes. moving to Nevada. Oh, yes. And I said, look, I'm still here. Everything's going to be fine. I live right on top of this. I'm sensitive to the phenomenon. As a matter of fact, I'm, I was getting a major headache in my eye here working on the maps tonight. But, uh, but that's the, you know, that's the gist of it. If I didn't think it could be changed, the, the best news that we could hear is that mankind's future and destiny is now in its own hands. The worst news we can hear is that mankind's future and destiny is now in his own hands. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the good, the good and the bad stuff. And actually, actually, there were just two other ones that I wanted to mention because you, once again, had something to do with this. All right. That I, um, one of the predictions in the newsletters was that uh, uh, that a UFO mothership would uh, would fly over a major U.S. city in 1997. That happened the last time I was on your show, March 13th of 97. Well, time before last. It sure did. Thing over Phoenix. Phoenix predicted months in advance that a live extraterrestrial would be shown on national television, and you and I both together got a chance to sort of bring that to pass. When my friend Jeff Broadstreet calls me a couple months later and says, "Holy smokes! I, I read this in your newsletter. Now I've got this guy Victor coming to me, and he's got this creepy creature, uh, you know, at Area 51." So. Yes, yes, yes. As you well know, we are now advertising that video, the full video. Finally, a lot of people waited a long time for that. Now. I have, oh, I don't know, for the last uh, two months, I would say, been inviting Victor back. He originally came on the program, you recall, uh, audience with a voice changer, and was very scared and very, uh, what's the right word? Uh, 
reluctant. Reluctant. It's a mild word. <laughs> um, and I've been sort of inviting him back, and I would think that with the sale of the videotape, um, he would have come back, but he has not come back. I have not heard hide nor hair of Victor, and how about you? Have you? Um, well, I, I'm probably going to be talking to him in the next couple of weeks. You know, I'm, I'm just finishing up this, uh, this book on Area 51, uh, called Area 51 Nightmares in Dreamland, and I was, uh, going to feature, you know, more of an interview with him. It, he's just a, you know, I sent him a Christmas present and a, you know, I, I sent him a fifth of Bushmills and a nice little Christmas card and a letter and a, and a list of, uh, and a, a list of, um, you know, questions for him. And I think he'll be out. I mean, he's just kind of nervous and, uh, you know, I, actually I'll just, let me put it out to, uh, Jeff Broadstreet and we'll see if we can, uh, get him on the show again. All right. Todd, so, that'd uh, be great. Uh, I know he go. is, uh, he's in hiding. Um, yeah, well, he was never really out anywhere. So, I mean, for all we know, he could be back working for the government or doing something for them but it's a uh, hmm. interesting guy very interesting guy and it was a uh, you know boy that was radio history the last time we had him on the air yeah wasn't that some very spooky stuff all right so anyway getting back to this um what's the last point i wanted to make uh just about the delphi associates uh, let me just real quick because we haven't done this for the hour uh if anybody wants to get the newsletter uh the hotline number is 310 217-7579. Uh, newsletter is $50 a year. You know, it comes out approximately 12 times a year. I say approximately because it's not like this information comes out of a computer. I have to, you know, I have to think it up and do the research and do whatever. But it's uh, $50 for a 12-issue subscription. Um, you can send it to PRI, which is the Prophecy Research Institute. And uh, very slowly, we're at 2207 Hermosa Avenue, that's H-E-R-M-O-S-A, that means beautiful in Spanish, and we're in Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. All right. 2207 Hermosa Avenue, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254, and if you want to just call the hotline and actually get all the information, which is the address and all is on the hotline, that's at uh, 310-217-7579. All right. What, okay, where are one we going? other where miss. Are we going? Well, I, I want one other miss that I think that you had. Right. You called for a gigantic series of hurricanes on the East Coast. Oh, okay. We're actually going to get into that. Oh yeah. There's, there's very interesting stuff about that because I've. Oh, that's that's a a major change, and we're going to talk all about that when we talk about El Nino. You want to start up on that now? Well, if it involves the reason that you missed. Okay. Uh, in all other right. words, uh, yes, indeed. You uh, you talked on. about a okay. lot of hurricanes on the East Coast. First off, we had. Um, if you remember, year before last, there were five hurricanes that were actually all coming off the coast of Africa, one after another. Remember sure. that satellite? That amazing oh, satellite lined shot? up like soldiers. Where all of those, all those things were coming off of Africa. Yep. Now here's an interesting thing, and I will, I, and let me pre precurse this and preface this by saying that this is a, this is meditative information that I've got. I don't have any proof for this whatsoever, other than my own personal feelings as to. What I'm picking up when I when when I look at the maps and when I come off with the energy of the map. All right. The the voice of the planet in about the last six months, and I'm putting this out there for people who are sensitive who do this kind of work. For me, has changed. It used to be that the voice of the planet was a very deep, sensuous mellifluous feminine voice, a very sing-song feminine voice. For whatever reason, 
that voice seems to have changed in about the last six months. When I do these meditations, the voice is still feminine, but it, it sounds electronic. It sounds computerized. It, it, it sounds almost like, um, uh, like the voice of the computer on Star Trek, uh, Magil Roddenberry's voice on Star Trek. That's where, not good. Where it's a very, but it's very computerized and mechanized. It's almost as if the, the planet herself is being, I don't know, overwhelmed by electronic pulses and information. Here's the next thing I was getting. I'm looking wow. at the world maps, and I'm sitting here looking at them now, and I'm picking up, and the only one I know where there's act, there actually is, is that there are three artificial weather vortexes, actually four, now that I'm looking at it now, artificial weather vortexes that are somehow engaged in not only manipulating the weather, but they somehow are at war with one each other. One is in Alaska, which seems to be, that's I know about the HARP project, the sure. High Altitude Oil Resonance. The other one seems to be in northern Canada, somewhere around Lynn Lake. The third one seems to be right, it's in the jungle, and it's, and it's right near Ecuador, it's sort of right in the jungle, right near the borders of, um, of, of Peru and Ecuador. Are these artificial? They, they seem to be computer systems or structures. The other one is in Africa. It's somewhere, it's in Mali, it's near Gao. But what I'm picking up sensitively is that there are these three systems and it's like they're playing chess with one another, which is very, which is very, very strange. The other thing that's odd about it is <sighs> this, this El Nino, which is coming off of and well, before you get off on El Nino, I'm sorry. Uh, this really is important. There was a lot of news recently about the Russians offering to create a cyclone in Malaysia with a satellite. They have actually made a concrete offer to Malaysia, and Malaysia has accepted. By the way, mm -hmm. now we have weather treaties saying you will not do weather modification as a weapon, but once you accept the assistance of the Russians in this regard, it is obviously not a weapon. It is simple assistance. Yeah, now, a helpful, now, a helpful now, thing. But I mean, think about it, that the Russians can actually uh, create, they think, a cyclone with a satellite, which means they've got something in orbit now that can do that. Well, but it's a piece of cake. What they do is that it's, a, it's, a, it's basically a... You know how you sell those negative ion generators, the the Alpine negative ion generators? Absolutely. It's the same thing. It's a it's an it's a negative ion electromagnetic pulse that's sent down from space that just pushes the jet stream down. All these incredible winds that we're about to experience, all these winds that that are coming down, people don't realize that that the jet stream, thirty thousand feet up or so, you know that wind is traveling, you know, six hundred to a thousand miles an hour already. Up in the, I mean, that's why it's called the jet stream. You go up there and the wind travels much more quickly at, you know, at 600 to, you know, about 800 miles an hour or so. We definitely need to talk about wind, uh, okay. Sean. Uh, boy, there have been a lot of strange... Well, 98 is going to be, everything that has to do with air is going to be ignited in, in 98. It's going to have to do with airborne viruses, with wind, with the jet stream touching the ground in places like Colorado. Um, everything that's, that's airborne, also airplanes, satellites, things are just going to start falling out of the sky, so much so that there's going to be an entire call and hue and cry for a whole federal agency just to control the movement of people. All right, Sean, hold it right there. Join us at this hour. Oh, good. Okay. Well, uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it's kind of interesting, my whole take on these, on these different years. 19, uh, the, uh, the headline for, 
for uh, 1996 was um, was oh my god because so many things happened that were so shocking. The uh, the headline for um, let me see I think I, I think I had it there. The uh, the headline that I had in uh, for 1997 was everybody dies and it, the biggest thing about the coming year that I thought uh, that I that I saw as a sensitive was so many celebrities and so many uh, good people checking out. Um, the headline for 1998 is going to be. What the hell is going on? Because it's just <laughs> there's just so much confusion. I mean, literally, literally, you're going to see people standing in the street, like or Peter Jennings or something, or Stone Phillips, going, "What the hell is going on?" Actually, I've already seen some of that. Believe yeah, it or not, uh, toward the tail end of this year, there's already been some. It's very, very weird. First off, let me let me open with El Nino. Okay. <sighs> And I'm probably I'm probably going to be the only person that's going to say this, but believe it or not, El Nino has been a rather positive thing, and I think it's been a positive thing because it is actually because it has been so huge and so massive, it in some weird way has actually balanced the weather systems of the planet, and the way it's done this is because the the hurricanes and the massive disaster and the high winds that I saw coming in in Florida. And hitting the islands and all the stuff coming off of uh, uh, coming off of Africa, it, one that's not going to happen. Two, the other strange thing is is that every time, and this is looking at the map, and this is speaking as a sensitive now. Every time I see the El Ninos coming up towards the United States, there's a reaction in Alaska, and something happens where there's like a protection or. This and you're gonna, I, you will see this. I guarantee you, over and over and over again, that the minute the El Nino starts to get any further than San Diego, there's going to be like a blast of cold air that's going to come down from Alaska and from Canada. That's then going to push the El Nino south again, which hmm. in essence is going to protect large sections of the United States from the effects of the El Nino. Now they didn't make out too well in Mazatlan. Uh, no, no. Mexico, forget it. It's Mazatlan, Acapulco, that whole area is just going to be... And actually, the biggest area that's going to be hit later on this year is going to be Cuba. Um, Cuba. Cuba's just going to be devastated. And I and by, by some kind of massive storm or very, 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 very high winds, uh, as a matter of fact, I believe that the devastation in Cuba is going to be so great that it, that, that is finally what's going to topple the Castro regime. Now, I have no idea whether you follow Ed Dames or not, but one of the predictions he successfully made, I don't know, well over a year ago, was that the jet stream would begin to come down on deck. Mm -hmm. And it surely has. I mean, I've seen local weathermen uh, all over the place saying, in fact, that's exactly what occurred. Like, the, all kinds of trees blew down, thousands and thousands right, of 20, acres. 20,000 acres in Colorado blew down. Yeah, blew down. Just trees just blew down, and it was a jet stream coming down on deck. Well, remember, that can be very easily artificially induced from space with a negative ion blast. That they, that literally a satellite can get up there, run an electrical impulse through the, through the atmosphere, and literally push the, uh, push the jet stream down onto the planet. Now, do you believe? Do you believe that? You, I don't know. You said there were four spots that appeared to be these four spots that I'm picking up. One is in is in right near the corner of Mali and Burkina in Africa, which seems to be. And the only thing I can figure out because I'm getting like a computerized signature as a sensitive when I project to these places. And the other one is near Ecuador. It's like Ecuador, Colombia, but there's something else going on also in the heart of Brazil. 
Um, okay, well, all, all I can imagine is, uh, Sean, that the United States is part of it, that there are weather wars going on that we don't know about, but we are part of right now, covertly. That's the only possibility that I can think of. With the meditation that I'm doing, I mean, I was just aware of the Heart Project, but now I'm picking up the stuff in Canada, I'm picking up the stuff in Ecuador. Now, the other strange thing is is that my, my friend, um, um, Adrienne, Who's the uh, uh, the Pleiadian UFO contactee? Now he claims that there's a base down there in the jungles of Brazil, or you know, right near the sort of Ecuador-Peruvian border, and that I don't know. You know, I mean, he says something about the Pleiadians are messing with the weather, or so they're trying to balance out a lot of what's going on. But this El Nino is very interesting because it's done a number of things. Number one, 14 years ago. When we had the last El Nino, actually we had, it was kind of weird because we had a pattern where 86 was an El Nino and then 83 was also uh, a big El Nino. As a matter of fact, they had the front of my house on the front page of, uh, of USA Today because we've got these big berms that are being built up on the beach because uh, right. I, I live on the strand in, uh, in Hermosa Beach. Um, that, uh, uh, they're building up these berms and all in expectation, in expectation for this. Now, the weird thing about it being is that in 86, that was when Halley's Comet was flying overhead. Right. Now, at the same time we had the El Nino and we had the massive destruction sort of on the West Coast, it was also when they had this gigantic drought in Africa. Remember the whole, you know, live aid thing and the oh, whole yes. Oh, Ethiopian yes. situation of and course. all that? Yes. Well, with an El Nino this big, we should be having a massive drought in Africa. But what's, you know what's happening in Africa? It's raining everywhere. Well, I can tell you where it isn't raining and where there is drought, Australia. Oh, yes, of course. Hmm. Very serious drought in Australia. Well, we've got this whole pattern of, like I said, of these three weather systems that are possibly warring against each other. The bottom line is, is that even though El Nino has been number one in the news and everybody's bracing for all of this destruction, it is not going to be nearly as bad as everybody has said. And it's not going to be nearly as destructive as everybody has said. There is something protecting the United States. As a matter of fact, you'll be amazed at the kind of protection that springs up around the United States this year, whether or not it has to do with uh, uh, the backing down of, of Iraq or certain things that are going on in Bosnia. Well, look, um, I, I can only hope that if there are weather wars going on, we are best at it. Well, I don't know if it's... You know, I don't know if a lot of the things that they're doing, all I see is what they're doing, but I don't know if what they're doing is positive or negative. I'll give you another example. Um, the... The, the nuclear bombs that the, that the French slammed into the, the crevice in Tahiti. Yeah, oh, yes. Um, that ignited Mount Popotocopetl. I mean, there was a whole series of volcanic eruptions that began to occur directly after that on the other side of that, of that platelet that began to twist things around. Now, on the one hand, I think, oh, it's a dastardly, you know, Blofeldian James Bond plot that they're trying to destroy the world, et cetera, et cetera. On the other hand, I'm thinking that, that maybe there's people who know what they're doing, I'm hoping, who know what they're doing, who are, who are altering the structure of the planet in such a way by using this weather modification and by maybe using atomic weapons to keep massive natural catastrophes from happening, to keep certain things from going on. Well, look, if you were to ask me what I thought about the efficacy of using atomic bombs and weather modification satellites to begin affecting things, in other words, whether it was basically a good idea or bad, mm -hmm. I'm going for bad. Yeah, I, go I, for, I pretty much go for bad, too. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm hoping for the best, but, I, but, but uh, you know, it's just a very strange thing. So, like I said, San Diego is going to experience some... 
some very heavy weather. You can you can you can expect it to continue in Mexico and Puerto Vallarta and Mazatlan. Um, you can expect all of that weather to continue. The only major thing I see happening is is a uh, a major destruction of uh, in Cuba, and uh, sure. that occurs. That's going to be way late in the season. That's going to be like August, September of next year. Do you see the manner of the destruction? Is it's, it a hurricane? It's, you know, once again, it's a wind. It's probably, I mean, you know, likely, most likely a hurricane. But just Cuba, it's like there's sort of like a black hole where Cuba is. I mean, everything begins to sort of collapse, and it's it's the final straw. Whatever occurs in Cuba is going to be the final straw that will finally topple the Castro government and and allow Cuba. Well, if not to be free, at least to be sort of assimilated and start doing business, you know, more so with the uh, with the United States. So that's the that's the uh, that's the first major thing I'm picking up about uh, about El Nino and the weather okay. catastrophes and what's going on. What about earthquakes? Okay, let's go through let's go through that because I just did get my notes out here. A lot of people are just going to have to just going to have to get the newsletter because I was working on the maps here, and so far I've only gotten as far as sort of the Midwest. Um, okay. Specifically what I'm picking up on the meditations are, as I started with Alaska, all right? Mm-hmm. I'm picking up a fire in Alaska, too. Now, this is August. Um, it's very strange because the temperature of Alaska has been changing. It's been getting, it's been getting substantially warmer. And um, when they had the fires there, there two years ago, I, I predicted, well, we predicted the fires in the, in the newsletter, and everybody was saying, well, that sounds crazy, a fire in Alaska, it's too cold there. But there's going to be another fire there, and I'm picking up a lot of heat in the Yukon near Kalog. Really? Kalog, I hope I'm saying it right. I hope I'm not making people in Alaska angry. Um, in Kalog, I'm also picking up earthquake activity in the Aleutians, Near Port Muller and inland, all the way up to Dillingham. Now, this is a this is a March-April window, but it's a pretty substantial quake. It's about a seven-two, and it's coming off the Aleutian Islands, and it's going to resonate down through, well, not much, down through the, the western part western parts of Canada. Then I went down into Washington, and I was sitting here looking at Washington, and I'm picking up once again. Washington's actually pretty quiet. I'm picking up some heat. Around Mount Baker, you know, obviously the big thing is is uh, trying to feel if there's going to be like eruption activity uh, around Mount Rainier. Uh, picking up nothing. That uh, basically it's it's very very quiet. There's some real minor activity, and this was something a trend that I was talking about several years ago. That directly after they had the fires in in Washington, that I was saying that watch for the the roundabout the mountain. It's almost as if the mountain is sort of repositioning itself, almost like the old man is sort of getting comfortable with the landmass again. That there would be some minor quakes in the flues around the bottom side, and that Mount Baker was specifically the place to uh, the place to look at. Now I'm only looking for the next year. I'm only looking at at 98. Now, now I'm working my way down the down the coast. Something's going on with Idaho, which is very interesting. Northern parts Idaho. of Idaho. Sorry? Idaho. Well, something's going on with Idaho, but once again, this for some reason, you know, things just sort of jump into my mind. It's a political thing in Idaho. I don't know what's going on, huh. but it has something to do with sending like political reverberation. There's some kind of court case or a fight in Idaho that's going to affect large amounts of land. In other words, ownership of land, uh, possible lawsuit against the federal government. Um, something's happening in Idaho. So there's going to be a lot of focus on the northern part of Idaho. 
So I think it's going to have a lot to do with... Um, it's, it's, is this like that group that was putting liens on the federal government and, and there's sort of a, a whole group in one part of Idaho that's like very Freeman? independent doing this kind of thing? Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not familiar with it. I'm just saying that, that, that just as in Montana, as there was focus on the Freeman and the Freeman's concerns, there's also going to be focus on Idaho. And it's going to have to do with, once again, uh, a fight, I think, with the federal government over possession of land. But it's going to be some kind of landmark landmark decision in Idaho. Do you see we had it a as thing a, like that in Nevada a while you, back. Do you that, see it as, oh, we did, yes. As a matter of fact, here in my county, they were uh, chasing feds with bulldozers. It was really cool. But do you, <laughs> do you see another thing like Waco or something very violent? Do you no. see it manifesting as a no. violent thing? No, it's a lawsuit. A Some lawsuit. kind of lawsuit. But it achieves a lot of national attention because it, it's... Uh, uh, it starts out as a confrontation. It has to do between environmentalists and, and business people. I don't know if they're loggers or miners or what's going on, but there's a lot of political heat happening in the northern part of Idaho. Okay. Okay, working my way down, uh, I did Washington. There's a, there's a lot of heat, once again, around, around Seattle, the mild earthquakes around Mount Baker, no eruptions in that particular area. It's actually the, the western coast was coming off kind of quiet. Then I hit Oregon, uh, Klamath Falls, once again, there's earthquake, there's a plateau of earthquake activity in April around the same time as there's activity in Alaska. So what's going on off in Alaska is also going to trigger uh, an earthquake directly off the coast. There's going to be a very substantial earthquake that I'm picking up mm-hmm. directly off the coast of Eureka, which is you know famous for earthquakes because there's like three platelets that meet right off Cape Mendocino. Oh, yes. So there's going to be a real substantial quake uh, directly off the coast. It's about 100 miles off the coast. It's a water quake, and it's going to cause some water-related damage along the northern parts of the coast of California, up around, um, let me see, down through Crescent City and um, all the way down through Eureka. But that's going to be March, and that's uh, that's March. almost a definite. As a matter of fact, I ran it past... Uh, some of my astrologers, um, you know, Serena Wright, who's a Hindu Vedic astrologer. Bob, um, Bob Crane, uh, my friend, Sea uh, Crane Company, is not going to be happy hearing that. Why? Oh, <laughs> Fortuna, California. Well, it's uh, she hit it right in in about the third week of March. There's some sort of eclipse that's going on in March that has to do with a a major um, uh, some kind of major underwater quake. Okay. Um, the next aspect of this is is that I'm looking at Northern California now. The once again, the, it's a moderate snow season. You know, I was expecting when I was doing my meditations to see all kinds of nastiness and you know all kinds of you know horrible weather, and it's 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 actually not so bad. Northern California, however, a lot of these rivers, there's flooding in the whole northern part of the state. Uh, coming down from Oregon, as a matter of fact, and there's a lot of rivers running together. The biggest concern is going to be there's going to be a series of dams that are going to break in the northern California area. Now, I know that FEMA's done a huge amount of work, supposedly, on these on these dams up there in California, um, and it's I don't think it's going to help. You, you simply have the... Uh, um, you've got the Russian River, the American River, up by Yuba City, and then all the way up into... Uh, um, all the way up along the Sacramento River, uh, there's a lot of overflowing. There's a lot of flooding in the in the capital in Sacramento, and these dams begin to break in the spring. Um, San Francisco, mild earthquake activity again. There will be a quake 
of a six or above, one of the larger quakes that they've had there. It's just north of San Francisco. It could be as close to San Francisco as Vallejo, but I'm picking up a about a 50, 50 to 60 mile radius around San Francisco. What about the Hayward Fault? Um, well, Vallejo is the Hayward Fault. Okay. So that's and and that's just a little bit north and uh, uh, north and west of of Vallejo, and that's of course the Hayward Fault is what everybody's worried worried about. Right. And of course, the biggest one. Well, I mean, we we have forty percent of probably the computer industries of the world are built not just within like a five mile radius of the San Andreas Fault, but built on, right on the San Andreas Fault. So, uh, the uh, major earthquake in San Francisco not happening this year. Um, I think the big quakes, and, I, and I've been predicting for quite some time that I felt that there would be two major quakes in San Francisco that would occur right around the year late 1999, early 2000, and then another one around 2002 that would actually move much of the population centers uh, of the city. But it's late August. It's a very long plateau, which means that there's going to be a series of smaller quakes in that particular time frame in the late August. It doesn't look any later than the 1st of October, and once they get past the 1st of October, they'll be okay. Um there's also, here's another weird one. In the summer, this is going to be a, an unseasonably hot summer. In Los Angeles, and this is when I was just, I'm standing here looking at the map now, um, there's like an ozone hole that opens over LA. There appears to really? be like solar flare activity or something that exacerbates it in the upper atmosphere, but there is. Worried about. Right. And of course, the biggest one. Well, I mean, we we have forty percent of probably the computer industries of the world are built not just within like a five mile radius of the San Andreas Fault, but built on, right on the San Andreas Fault. So, the uh, major earthquake in San Francisco not happening this year. Um, I think the big quakes, and, I, and I've been predicting for quite some time that I felt that there would be two major quakes in San Francisco that it would occur right around the year late 1999, early 2000, and then another one around 2002 that would actually move much of the population centers uh, of the city. But it's late August. It's a very long plateau, which means that there's going to be a series of smaller quakes in that particular time frame in the late August. It doesn't look any later than the 1st of October, and once they get past the 1st of October, they'll be okay. Um there's also, here's another weird one. In the summer, this is going to be a, an unseasonably hot summer. In Los Angeles, and this is when I was just, I'm standing here looking at the map now, um, there's like an ozone hole that opens over LA. There appears to really? be like solar flare activity or something that exacerbates it in the upper atmosphere, but there is a very, very severe heat wave. In Los Angeles, it moves across Los Angeles and the entire Pacific Southwest through Arizona and the lower tip of New Mexico. Wow. Now, the heat wave's not going to be horrifically bad. I mean, it's not going to be like 120 degrees, but... Now, let me stop you and ask you. You say solar-induced, you believe? I, I think that there's going to be... It, it appears as though there's activity with the sun. There's a, an increased solar activity that has something to do that when the ozone hole is open or whatever this hole or gap in the atmosphere occurs, yes. there's this, like a, like a solar perturbation that then, that then amplifies it and causes this heat wave along with very, very dangerous uh, uh, UV levels, UV levels of up to like 9 and 10. 
All kinds of radiation, of course. Yes, indeed, coming right out of the atmosphere. And the biggest problem is going to be is that you're going to see entire power grids across the Pacific, across the uh, the, uh, uh, the Pacific Northwest and uh, the Pacific Southwest, California, Arizona, New Mexico. Oh. You're going to have power grids that are going to go offline for days. When do you see this beginning to this occur? This is August. August. Now, here's another strange thing, too, is that, I mean, because I'm sensitive to this phenomenon, um, the, the planet, the frequency of the planet is jumping. I mean, it's, it's, it makes me sick to my stomach when it well, actually happens. Well, I'll tell you, it makes me it. sick to my stomach to hear that because so many other people have said it. Hold on, Sean David Morton is my guest. He will be back momentarily hearing about the sun, hearing about the Schumann resonance frequency, which is the frequency of the earth, hearing about all that get, does give me the heebie-jeebies. No question about it. It's been a too long time With no peace of mind The sun, huh? And I'm ready for the times To get better Boy, I don't know that that's what I wanted to hear at all. This, of course, is Crystal. I'm Art Bell, and this is Coast to Coast AM. Morton, Sean, uh, this thing about the sun really is bugging me. We recently had uh, an ejecta, fortunately not aimed toward the Earth, but it looks like the action is building on the sun. Well, it's a, there's some kind of solar flare activity that's, that's building. Um, it's... I, I think it might be, a, I mean, everything is now focusing, whether or not it's the El Nino or whether or not it's, uh, everything's all coming together for this heat wave or, I hate to call it a firestorm, but it's a... Okay, well, we have had, we're in the ascension phase now, I believe, of solar cycle 23, and we've been through many other solar cycles, but yeah. what you are predicting is very different than anything that has ever occurred before. Well, it's a it's a hole that seems to open in the atmosphere, um, it does create, I, I mean, there's a, the, the biggest problem is that the power goes out, uh, along this grid and they can't seem to get it fixed. And of course, the, I think the reason for this is, is that if I'm not, let me see, the Schumann residence jumped the last time, uh, June 22nd of, was it 97? Now that is the frequency of the Earth. Yeah, the, the frequency actual, of the planet, the general right. frequency of the planet. The optimum frequency of the planet at a, at, at a, uh, or, at, or a human being for that matter who's tapping into the Earth or in a meditative theta state is around 7 hertz. It's about 7.83 is supposed to be the optimum. Right. The frequency of the planet began to jump in 1945. Supposedly, because of all these atomic weapons, because, for example, we've, uh, you know, we've defended ourselves against the state of Nevada by dropping 1,200 nuclear bombs on the state. <laughs> so, um, that the Earth somehow began to shake off of its axis, that, that now the entire planet is wobbling very much like a, like a old tennis shoe in a washing machine, and that the entire planet, with this wobble, the human resonance is now beginning to jump. You could have used some other a milder analogy, a tennis, tennis shoe and a, and a, and washing in a washing machine, right. That's exactly thump, what's thump, happening thump, to the entire thump. wobble of the planet. We've literally right. sort of shocked it, very much like a child sort of battering a top. The whole planet is now slightly out of kilter, and that has a lot to do with these particular changes. There was a huge military white paper that was done on this in a very rare book. It's called The Flight of the Key Bird. And this particular book was about the last 
of the B-29 bombers. I think the only ones that are left are the Enola Gay and the Smithsonian and right. this particular bomber, which set out to then map the electromagnetic grids of the North and South Poles and found that it was jumping. And, and the military conclusion was that um, when when electromagnetic north or EM north actually hits true north, which is somewhere up in Booth's Bay, Canada, somewhere, uh, that there would be an electromagnetic pole shift of the planet. And this electromagnetic pole shift of the planet would, of course, cause uh, winds of hundreds of miles, miles an hour, would basically fry every electrical device that was connected to a ground wire, which is, of course, everything. And um, and this was a fear they even had in the fifties, if you can imagine this. They they were they were worrying what it might actually do to the human brain, that uh, a a electromagnetic shift of this magnitude would actually wipe clean the magnetites of the human brain. So you know, talk about setting the reset button on humanity. No kidding. Uh, the most frightening part about this was is that they is that in this military report, they were speculating that they figured that this was going to happen sometime in late 2012 to 2013, which, of right. course, all plays directly in with the Mayan codexes and prophecies, et cetera, et cetera. Now, what's going on now is that the last time the resonance jumped was January 22nd of, I believe, 96, when it jumped to almost, I think it was almost a 9-2. Um, right. And if there's any experts out there that can correct me on this, please do. I believe the resonance of the planet jumped again uh, less than two months ago, and it had a lot to do with uh, uh, a lot of power outages going on, uh, you know, a lot of computers crashing, because once again, remember that we, our entire electrical system is set up on a, on a false system. Instead of being low-frequency energy coming directly out of the planet like people like Nikolai Tesla originally tried to design... We have Edison's system, which is all based on sixty cycles. So, so you don't, has... you don't, you don't think it's mostly Bill Gates' fault, then? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's somebody to blame. Yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about him in a while when we start talking about the Millennium uh, Crash and what uh, we're going to do about that. All right. Um, is that the uh, the gist of this being is that as the human resonance begins to jump, it begins to create a great deal of disease. It begins to unravel the DNA helix of of the body if you're not particularly in tune. Um, I mean, if you're in a, a place on the Earth, and there are places on the Earth where the actual human resonance is very high. I mean, it varies from from 7 to as high as, you know, 12 or 14 in some areas. But if you're in an area like in the middle of the Gobi Desert where the human resonance is, is much higher, I mean, those are places where people traditionally get sick and they get diseased and very bad things happen to them because it, it literally physically attacks the immune system of the body. And, of course, one of the biggest things that's going to be happening this year it's going to have a lot to do with a, a, a large number of plagues. Um, that people are going to have to keep their immune systems up. They're going to have to take a lot more vitamins and minerals than they usually do. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the medical establishment and what's going to go down with that. But as the human residence begins to shift, all of these power grids, specifically, you know, your 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 power and electric plants, they have to be connected to the ground wire. And because they're generating uh, an electromagnetic right. field, so that when the human resonance begins to jump, all the power grids start going out. Well, we have had two major power grid failures in the West that affected uh, power from Canada all the way into Mexico and across the western third of the U.S. And they always talk about, uh, weeks later, they'll say, well, it began at a certain place, we think, but they never really seem to be able to identify what brings the grid down. Well, it'll get to the point of where if 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 the Schumann resonance in fact goes up high enough, the ground wires aren't going to work anymore, and the, and the whole thing's they're either going to have to 
redesign them or rewire them in such a way uh, in order for them to work. But, I mean, they're, you're looking at the real possibility within the next three or four years of all of these power grids and systems literally going offline, becoming obsolete because they're, they can no longer ground themselves to the frequency of the planet. Let me, uh, let me just finish my list here because I was going down the western... Uh, yes, if, yes. Unless you're finished with that. I was just going down no, the western no, United no, States. No, go ahead. So here's this, this sort of ozone hole that opens up over Los Angeles and Arizona that caused, causes a lot of trouble in a heat wave. As I said, not huge. I mean, temperatures of like 115, you know, 110, but over a period of time for several days and nobody without air conditioning, and they're going to realize that, you know, we live in a desert here, that, you know, most of Nevada and Arizona and New Mexico are are like living on the surface of Mars, that they're all artificial environments, and the only way we can survive is with the power to keep the air conditioning running. And I couldn't live here without it. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, here we go. We've got the hole that runs over Arizona, New Mexico, and California. Um, I, once again, there's a focus on the central part of Nevada. There's like a yeah. there's like a real nasty heat and a real interesting energy coming out of Tonopah. Oh, great. I think that it, it, something's going to happen with... Uh, you know, I, I know we belabored a lot, but something is going to happen with Area 51 that is going to be either a national scandal or attention focused on it or some sort of toxic waste is going to get loose that is going to achieve some kind of national attention um, because there's there's right near Tonopah, right where Area 51 is, right right in that area of Tonopah, there's a... There's like a radioactive heat that's coming off that particular area. So I don't know if something breaks or something gets loose, but you can look for some kind of toxic spill that's going to uh, that's going to make the national news. And uh, and uh, Area 51 is going to get a lot more attention, not for UFOs and flying saucers anymore, because those were all moved out, you know, back in the late part of '92, '93, but for all the junk that they've been storing there illegally, that they're now going to have to clean up. Um, one of the things, as long as we're on Las Vegas, um, <laughs> the biggest thing that's going to happen with Nevada, too, is that there's going to be, uh, for the first time, I think, ever, there's going to be major strikes in uh, in the casino industry. Oh, really? There's going to be a, a, a huge confrontation between the workers, and this is because the feds are going to be involved, too. It's going to have to do with, like, the IRS and the income tax. It's going to have to do with the feds. But it's also going to have to do with the casinos versus the workers. And well, I, I can already tell you, the feds have uh, had, they've been coming, the IRS has been coming in hard uh, for several years now mm-hmm. on the Las Vegas casino workers. Well, all that's going to come to a head. And it's going to come to a head because of, uh, you know, there's a, I believe there's a, there's a question there as to whether or not tips are taxable income or whether or not they're considered gifts or, uh, you know, and nobody's really fought it yet. But you're going to see a very serious drive towards unionization of those workers and the good possibility of uh, a number of, uh, of strikes and maybe even some, some armed confrontation with police among various workers and because it's going to happen right at a, a number of very high... There's going to be a big convention where this is going to happen, okay. um, and it's going to close down a section of the Strip. But Vegas is going wow. to be very much in the news uh, just in the next year or so. And, of course, we're just, we're just, we're just doing sort of... Uh, general overall things as to what's going to happen. Well, that's bad news, because as you know, Las Vegas has one of, if not the best-going economy in the country Mm -hmm. right now, so that's quite a threat. Because of the people coming there. Yeah. Okay, Um, I'm picking up, once again, this is as far as I got when I was working on the map. Um, Big fire in Colorado, and it's going to be down by Oak, Oak Creek, 
Sulphur Hot Springs, Steamboat Springs, that area I'm picking up as a major fire. And strangely enough, I'm also picking up some earthquake activity in the northern part of Colorado and Wyoming. Not really? huge, but earthquake activity in uh, late October in Colorado and Wyoming, um, running down the, uh, the, uh, the Rocky Mountains. You're looking at five, you know, a, a five one, uh, possibly as high as a six. I don't think it's going to get that high because it's, you know, it's not jumping off the map at me. Right. But a very substantial uh, series of earthquakes activities, and I'm picking it up for October in that one particular area. All right. So there we go. That's uh, those are your earth changes stuff for right now. So let's All get right. into some other interesting things here. All right. Uh, okay. What about? Uh, politics. Uh, we're gonna, okay. Um, <laughs> first off, let me, let me just do this because I know we're coming up on the top of the hour again. Oh, we've got time. Anybody wants to subscribe to the newsletter again, um, let me just give out the number if I may. It's, uh, 310-217-7579. That's 310-217-7579. When are operators oh, there? Operators are standing by 24 hours. It's actually a, uh, you know, a, a voicemail machine, so they can, uh, either just get the information off of it or just press five and, and leave a message. All right. Um, and the newsletter is $50 a year for a, uh, 12 issue subscription. Um, the, actually, the address is on the hotline. Once again, it's PRI, which is the Prophecy Research Institute. And uh, we're at uh, 2207 Hermosa Avenue, H-E-R-M-O-S-A. And that is in beautiful downtown Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. Thank you for letting me do the plug there. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, it's really great stuff. I worked very, very hard on the newsletter, and uh, uh, a lot of people contribute to it to make it, uh, to make it good. And, um, you know, and actually it's a, it's a great thing because it goes along so much in concert with the stuff that you're doing. Your newsletter is great, by the way. Thank you. It's, um, it's very slick. I've seen it come along and I, I had a chance to meet, uh, the fellow that was editing your newsletter, a very handsome gentleman with, uh, gray hair. Oh, yes. Uh, what was his name again? Well, you could be talking about one of several people. Uh, okay. Uh, Wen Smith? Yes, Wen Smith. He All came right. down, I, we, we went to lunch actually at the Bottle Inn right over here. So, uh, a very, very nice man. Okay, let's get into political stuff. Yeah, political stuff. Okay. Um, geez, I sent you a whole list of things here, but let's see what we let's see what we can do. What's the biggest thing? Well, I, of course, you at the top, uh, the president. Anything at all with Bill Clinton. Okay, here we go. All right, this is the great one. In 1992, um, I wrote a manuscript called the uh, uh, you know the, the crazy manuscript I wrote in my cabin somewhere in Montana. Uh, called the Millennium Factor, and uh, one of the things that I wrote in the manuscript was, uh, and this was, this was the middle of '92, was that Bill Clinton would become president of the United States, that he would win with a 42 percent margin. And actually, I, I called it sort of strange because I didn't think that somebody could actually win the presidency with with less than 50 percent. So I thought that there would be some sort of congressional. Uh, something with Congress would, that, that would have to put him in, but right. that he would win with 42 percent. I saw that he was going to have some kind of accident that had to do with his knee or his leg. I saw him limping on a cane directly after his inauguration. Right. Well, strangely enough, that happened the second time. I remember. And so this is sort of how time works. When you actually have these visions, they, they don't make sense and they don't fit into a box. But I also initially at that time in 92, I felt that he was going to be the last elected president of the United States. I feel that that has changed simply because people got mad enough in 1994 and felt that they were taking enough control over their government that things didn't begin to collapse uh, 
but that I do not feel, and I said this back in 92, that Clinton would finish his term in office. Now, it's been kind of interesting because here's, here's another odd thing. In the newsletter, like for example, and I think it was December, the first 10 days of December of 95, I saw death around the White House. I saw something that was going on in those first 10 days where there was a violent act or right. an assassination attempt. Well, lo and behold, there's a, there, there's a man with a knife who's shot, I mean, literally on the White House lawn by, uh, uh, by security people. So, you know, right, that's Paul. the death that I was seeing around the White House. Okay. So I ran this by, I actually called uh, Stacy Dean, who's actually down there in Las Vegas in Nevada, and I asked Stacy to run some charts on Bill Clinton, and they actually come up very interesting. And I will get to make my one outrageous prediction. I get to make one outrageous prediction on your show, mm-hmm. um, you know, just so I do not incur the wrath of the gods. <laughs> but I think that things are going to get so nasty and they, there is going to be so much skullduggery, and Clinton is going to resort to every low trick, dirty trick, rotten lick, low kick that he can get. So in other words, there'll be no change. To save his political behind, that you are going to see some of the most outrageous things occur, and I believe that you will see overtures. Now, whether or not he actually makes it or not, but it's going to probably stun the national consciousness. You are literally going to see overtures by Bill Clinton to Ted Kennedy to replace Al Gore. That's my one outrageous prediction. To Ted Kennedy, he is going to use Ted Kennedy as an insurance policy to basically say, well, nobody's going to want to get rid of me now. You want this fat, drunk, adulterous idiot in office? Well, we've already got that. But anyway, you want somebody worse than me? And I thought to myself, you know, that's brilliant. He's the only person in the Democratic Party that can can conceivably make Bill Clinton look good. (laughs) So, uh, well, would that be analogous to a choice made by uh, George Bush? Um, yeah. <laughs> one would think, yes. It's uh, he's basically going to pull a Nixon, where you know Nixon got rid of Agnew and put Gerald Ford in office, and said, well, you know, anybody who takes this knucklehead over me. Um, so here's what's going to happen: Clinton's the major points for Clinton are going to be between April and August. Now, I'll um. Going through this again, apparently from these two charts that I got Stacy to run for me, um, the charts of Al Gore and Bill Clinton both, um, apparently, according to this one chart, the July crisis point comes. It seems as though there's some sort of... Gore has a lot of stuff on Clinton. And at the same time, he's not afraid to use it. So there's actually oh. blackmail and backstabbing going on wow. because Clinton is going to want Gore as far away from him as possible. He, Clinton will release information that will begin to discredit Gore because he doesn't want people to look at Gore as being a legitimate replacement. Why person. not? Why not? Because it's how bad it's going to get. It's just the way he the way he thinks. At the same time, Clinton is going to go through some terrible health things. He's, I mean, you're looking at a possible heart attack, you're looking at a nervous breakdown, you're looking at wow. um, something where he's going to start to crack under the under the pressure. Now, you have to remember, too, that he's got all those troops sitting in Bosnia for an instant war whenever he wants it. Recently announced they shall remain indefinitely. Which was a fulfillment of one of your predictions, by the way. Yeah, I know. You said well. that they would go and they, they wouldn't come home. Yeah, that wasn't hard to predict. So, um, so you've got acts of violence and subversive activities. This is all around Clinton. Um, accidents, breakdowns, a catastrophe, dedication to personal goals to the exclusion of the rest of the world's interests and needs. 
Um, nervous irritation, misrepresentation when speaking or writing, fraudulent activities, blackmail, desire to attack others. He's literally going to start to use secret police and military agencies once again to to cover up his skullduggery and his his evil doings. Um, So in other words, not much changes in Washington. Not much change, but you're also going to see at the same time, as of February... The biggest change that's going to happen politically is that everybody is finally going to get off their butts and start doing something. You well, are now going that to see, would be a change. You are going to see some amazing uh, consolidarity amongst the Republican leadership. All right, listen, hold it there. We'll be right back and do more. This is Coast to Coast AM. Come back. Here we go again. Okay. Uh, you we're have... leave off. We were talking about Bill Clinton. Uh, yes. Want to finish that off? Um, sure. Okay. All right, here's what we got with, uh, with Clinton. The interesting thing about Clinton is that the stress point for this whole thing builds August 22nd of this next year. Okay. Um, everything begins to conjunct and gang up and gang up on Clinton. I would not be surprised if, uh, exactly like in, uh, in August of, uh, 1974, well, uh, very much like they had the Whitewater hearings, that you'll be having the same sort of um, so, same sort of activity. Now, the interesting thing about Al Gore, and you know, once again, I want to thank Stacy Dean for faxing me these charts, is that um, the very specific thing about Al Gore is that uh, he's got a lot of secret enemies. Uh, he's set up for blackmail. There's a huge amount of emotional tension and uh, sudden setbacks in life, adjustments to new conditions or circumstances. Um, finding a new occupation, <laughs> and uh, this just you know, bing, bang, boom, all the way down the line. This adjustment to his new occupation uh, through quarrels and disputes. He, he, it basically, it's saying he gets fired from his job, and um, and I'm thinking that the candidate to replace him will be Ted Kennedy. Some people say, well, you know, there's no way that Ted Kennedy will get to become vice president, but at the same time. If the vice president is killed or resigns, I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong in this, the, pres- the vice presidency is an appointed position. All right. It's been appointed by the president. It doesn't need the confirmation of the I Senate. I know, but would he go that far left? I, I don't know. He's the only person that I can think of that would make him look good and say, okay, you want to get rid of me now? <laughs> That's the only other thing I can think of. Other than that, his health is going to be terrible. Um, you know, uh, anything from nervous breakdowns to heart attacks. Uh, you know, right. and I asked Stacy. I, I said, you know, give me an outrageous prediction. What's what's the deal going to be? And she gave she gave Clinton a less than a ten percent chance of making it through the year and still being president of the United States. All right. Well, so. generally, the fate of a president, short of terrible scandals, is tied to the economy. Yes. Now, the economy has been pretty doggone good. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. And that's the only reason that Clinton, of course, as we know, has survived the way he has, because of, because of what's been going on with the economy. Yes, well, let me ask you about the economy. Okay. Um, here we go with the stock market again. Um, the stock market, I mean, I was alone. I mean, I was the only person out there not only telling people that, that everything was going to be fine with the market, but that the market would eventually hit 8,000. You did? All right. Yes, that's right. You and that did. was on... That was on your show. Yep. As a matter of fact, time before last, I said market's going to go to eight thousand. But I, this was way back when the market was at two thousand. When I was saying it was going to go to forty two hundred, it was going to go to five thousand. One of the probably one of the greatest areas of success is, that I've had 
has been predicting virtually every single stock market rise and blip. As a matter of fact, you claim you have never been wrong on a stock market prediction. Nope, not since it hit 2000. In that case, we will listen very closely. Okay. Here's where some understanding has to, has to come into this, and this is where the opening of this is going to be. I, I, I know what they're trying to do, and it's more important for people out there to understand where the market is going and what these people are actually trying to do than it is getting involved in the trivia of whether or not the market's going to go, you know, up or down or what it's going to do. These people. Yes. Uh, define okay. these people. When I say these people, there are, let me give you an example of this. There are three guys that run the International Monetary Fund. Those three people apparently don't answer to anybody. There's five people that then answer to these three men. Now, I had an opportunity to have access to a liaison or an aide, if you will, of one of these five men that work for these three men that run the International Monetary Fund. And the only way I, can, way I can describe it is there is a a group of mega bankers at, at the top right. who now see, and it's about 30, 30, maybe as many as 50 people, led by David Rockefeller and the Chase Manhattan uh, you know, they have cronies like Henry Kissinger and, and you know, other various banking families ah, yes. who see an opportunity by the year 2002 to collapse the market in such a way so that they can gain central control over virtually every aspect of it, which is not too outrageous. It's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a natural outflowing of this. Mm -hmm. And they see an inflated market and the implosion of that market as being a way to actually collapse a large number of banks, and then have them be absorbed into a series of super banks, right. and eventually have those super banks be controlled by one group or family, if you will. Makes sense. Um, the gist of this is is that, let me give you this, this first piece of inside information, and then I'll tell you why I may or may not agree with it. The first piece of information was, I, I know a lot of people in the aerospace industry, because my father was a, a NASA director at one time, and he was vice president of TRW, I can't exactly reveal this gentleman's name or source, but he was a four-star general who told me this, who said that he had lunch with this gentleman from the International Monetary Fund, who said that they are planning to collapse the stock market third week of October. Um, this Always general, in October. This general asked him, it was very specific, he said, well, how are you going to do it? And the man said, it's already been done. And the way we've done it is that we've basically turned into junk most of the Asian bonds, because you have to remember that France, Britain, and the United States are the ones that basically do the underwriting and the credit ratings for these various Asian bonds. That's true. When they threw their credit rating out the window, that's when this entire Asian flu began to um, collect all throughout the Pacific. Now, wait a minute. How do you relate the two? Now, it is true that... Uh... And, uh, South Korea's bonds have been virtually reduced to junk bond well, status. But who, redu who reduced them to junk bonds, Art? The people that reduced Rating them... Rating agencies. ...are the United States, yep. France, and Britain. Yes, Who turned absolutely. around and reduced their bonds and, re yep. and reduced their banks, which is what began to collapse them. Now, the thing that started it, however, was the Japanese economy, which since 94 I've been saying you people do not have to worry about Jap Japan because Japan is going to collapse completely economically is that the Japanese Yakuza, which is, you know, the mob, the mafia over there, basically borrowed of almost a trillion U.S. dollars from Japanese banks and loan houses like Yamaguchi, like right. Daihatsu, right. and just didn't pay it back. Basically just stole it. It was the biggest bank robbery 
with the exception of the savings loan debacle in the 1980s, the Japanese are basically following our progression almost step for step, and they're doing the exact same thing that they loosened up the... The same thing that happened in the 80s with the savings and loans. We repealed a plank of what's called the Glass-Steagall Act. And the Glass-Steagall Act, very important that people remember what the Glass-Steagall Act is. The Glass-Steagall Act was passed in 1933, directly after the stock market crash and the collapse of American industry, and it did three important things. It kept the banks, number one, out of commercial real estate, number two, out of the insurance business, and number three, out of speculative stocks. The minute the Reagan administration repealed the glass, the plank of the Glass-Steagall Act that allowed savings and loans to get involved in commercial real estate, they they imploded. Three hundred fifty right. billion dollars later, right. which of course was all paid by the U.S. taxpayer, and I don't think anybody went to jail. I think Keating, Milliken, and yeah. you know somebody else got a slap on the wrist. It was the it was the greatest bank haul in U.S. history. And nothing happened to anybody. All right. Well, so far, with the Asian collapse, uh, at first, of course, there was a domino effect, and our markets were affected several hundred points worth. Mm -hmm. But it kind of looks like we've, at the moment at least, sort of risen above that. Well, and that's what's going to happen with the United States. Even though Japan has now been looted, and Yamaguchi, which is their, their, their biggest securities house, has now collapsed, once again, a lot of this had to do with organized crime. The Yakuza just stole a bunch of money from the Japanese mm. because they loosened up their banking laws to allow these these very specific brokerage houses to begin to invest in very high speculative ventures. When the Yakuza just didn't pay them back, all these things began to collapse. And at the same time, because the Japanese mob was involved in this, they then got all their credit ratings lowered, which is then beginning to collapse that. Now, the problem is that Japan owns about a third of of US debt. They they own about a third of US bonds, which of right. course if they start cashing them in oh, yeah. is going to lead to something here. Now here's the strange thing. And this is where and this is probably the, the biggest disagreement in in the group of people that I'm working with. On the one hand, we have a number of people who are saying that it's going to be a, a very bearish year. Uh on the other hand, a very bullish year. And I think that it's going to be a bullish year, but it's going to be, it's going to have a lot of stops and starts. It's going to be sort of a, you know, a heart-threatening okay. year. All right. What they desperately want and need to do is number one, they want to repeal the Glass-Steagall Act altogether. So there is going to be a stock market scare that is going to put this sort of scare into people where it looks as though these various banks may collapse or that something's going to happen where they then will say, well, we've got to shore up the banks. And we've got to help them out any way we can. So let's repeal the Glass-Steagall Act and allow them to get involved in speculative stocks. Like so, you're, kind of, so like, you're really predicting uh, volatility, but not collapse. Uh, correct, but you know, because they're going to take these these actions towards it. The next thing is, and this is going to be the most important thing, what they desperately want to get their hands on. When I say they, this consortium that wants to centralize everything, the two biggest cash cows out there that that they want to get into is the mutual funds and Social Security. Sure. So what they want to be able to do is allow, you know, grandma and grandpa out there or any of these retirees to be able to take their mutual funds, these gigantic cash cow mutual funds, and roll them in the stock market. If that is allowed to happen, 
and this is the this is the the, the predicate instance. If this is allowed to happen, you will see the market go insane. You will see it go to well over ten thousand. It, it will never go as high as twelve thousand, but twelve thousand is the actual peak that the market will reach before this occurs. But if they now are gambling their mutual funds, and if they are now allowed to take a, a portion of Social Security and put it in the stocks, well, guess what's going to happen when they pull out the rug? Hmm. They have everything. Everything. The mutual funds, the Social Security, everything. And people are just building the gallows right now, just getting ready to put their necks, necks into the noose. Mm-hmm. Because when they implode this, it's going to be done in a very specific manner in such a way that they will then be able to centralize the, centralize the banking structure and basically get what they want by about the year 2002. Now, this all plays in to, and I, and I guess, so let me make a prediction. So the prediction is going to be the biggest stocks this year that you can invest in, number one, are going to be commodities, specifically wheat. There's going to be like a wheat disease of some kind. And a lot of this harsh weather that's going to be occurring in the Midwest is going to is going to pound the wheat crop. So if you uh, if you buy wheat now, wheat's going to be a good commodity. Another sure. thing that's kind of interesting is that because of the weather that we've had here in California, um, 1997 is going to be a bumper year for California wines. So I don't know if you can actually go out and buy stock in vineyards, but it's going to be one of the best years ever for wines in in California. The '97 wines for 1998. Good. Um, the other aspect of this is is that uh, gold will probably reach some record lows. It's 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 been very very low now. They're finding that's right lots and lots and lots of gold all around the world. So now is probably the best time ever to actually start buying gold because I think it's almost it's almost rock bottom now. Almost three. What's it at now, Art? Three fifty? Yeah, it's oh, it's a lot lower than that, I think. Yeah, so it's it's down. It's as low as it's ever going to get, and you know now would be the best time to put money into uh, pre nineteen thirty three gold coins, gold twenty dollar gold pieces. Sure. The reason you the reason you buy the, the pre nineteen thirty three is because they're not regulated by the Federal Gold Act, which right. means they cannot legally be confiscated. Of course, they can change that, but. Um, they can't be confiscated, so now would be a great time to take all that money and, and buy some gold with it. The other aspect is is that technology stocks, and, and technology stocks have driven the market for actually a long time, there are going to be just absolutely amazing advances in technology stocks. Absolutely incredible stuff is going to go on in technology and computers, and it's going to be the... It's going to be very volatile, but there's that, that's where all the money is going to be made this year. It's going to be the advances in computer memory, yep. um, the advances in software, and the, uh, um, the advances in, in storage. The other thing also is I going know, it's to be... Really, by the way, that's starting to make me very angry. What's that? I love computers most of the time. Sometimes I hate them, and I've spent a lot of money on computers, and I am tired. I mean, I buy a computer, and then six months later... Psh- <laughs> it's obsolete, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you have to get very upgraded. annoying. Very annoying. Yeah, you know, it's you know it's it's tough. It's a, <laughs> you know I'm looking at the same problem, but you know it's uh, just the way it's going to be. I think that you know with the new with everything that's going to happen this year, and the the three biggest things, the overview of the year, along with you know well, you know what the hell is going on, is going to be technology, medicine, massive changes in medicine. Changes in the law and the way the law is processed, and a lot of this is going to have to do with major, historic, and very positive and very freedom-enhancing 
rulings by the Supreme Court. I'm, I'm, I've been stunned at a lot of the things that they've done, and they're going to stun people even further by giving more and more power back to the states. All right, well, we raced past the medical business there. I want to ask you about this. I mean, here they are in Hong Kong, destroying one and a half million chickens. Right. One and a half million chickens, and they've got this bird flu that apparently uh, is now able to be passed from person to person. What do you see happening in this arena? Well, the virus is called the H5N1 influenza A virus. Right. Um, here's the frightening part about it. The, the, what they're calling the chicken flu, which is the H5N1, I mean, of course you realize that when, when Spanish influenza hit the world, Back between 1914 and 1920 or so, it killed about 20 million people worldwide. That's right. It killed 75,000 people. I'm sorry, 68,000 people here in the United States. Um, we now have the possibility that, with the way modern transportation is, is that if a killer flu gets loose, it has the potential of infecting the world within 48 hours. Sure. Because of the way transportation is. Here's the most frightening part about it: is the H5N1 influenza A virus is an offshoot of the Spanish influenza virus from around the turn of the century. Now, probably the most horrific piece of medical news I think I've ever read in my life was in was in uh, Popular Science magazine. It was about a year and a half ago when our good buddies at the World Health Organization and the Center for Disease Control were actually over in Ireland digging up the corpses of people who had died of Spanish influenza virus. Trying to trying to get a sample. Exactly. And getting a sample out of the lungs so that they can regrow it because no one has an immunity to this particular Spanish influenza virus and they're trying to regrow it to supposedly look for a vaccine. Well, well yeah, but if you look at, look, look at the bird flu. There have been, what, 11 to 15 uh, victims so far, something like that. People have caught it. Yes. And of that number, Four have died. Yes. Now, if you were to project that into a pandemic and those uh, rough um, uh, percentages held, my God. Of course. It's, and it's front-page news in every other country in the world except, guess where, Hong Kong, China, and the United States. Why are they sitting on it? And and what is what is the potential danger? And the biggest thing this year... I'm, I'm telling you, once again, airborne viruses and uh, there's, there are going to be plagues that are going to be sweeping across the United States. All right, I mean, well, full-blown plagues. Hold it right there. It's a good place to uh, hang people up. Bottom of the hour, I am Mark Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM. I see trees of green. Martin, Sean, uh, somebody writes by email, tell Sean we do have a U.S. East Coast, and he hasn't said anything about the East Coast. Um, <laughs> okay, gee, I was doing the meditations here, and like I said, I only got as far as Colorado. Oh, I see, all right. Um, the, um, the only, uh, well, the good thing is going to be is that you've got to, I talked about that storm that was going to be hitting Cuba, um, which is going to affect Florida, but not badly. Um, it's actually the East Coast. Uh, it's, it's, it's okay, actually. The, and the thing is, is that the, what the El Nino has done is it's balanced out the weather patterns for the East Coast. I mean, they're going to have some, uh, you know, it's 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 actually kind of odd. This I kept expecting this year, as far as weather patterns, with the exception of the ozone hole and the and the offshore quakes, um, it's it's working out to be pretty average. I mean, one would think that 1998 being the 
you know, the year that Edgar Casey said the West Coast was going to fall into the ocean and, right. and, you know, Colorado would be a seaport. I mean, we're going to get, the greatest thing about 98 is we're going to get past that, that particular prediction and move into, you know, the tomorrow country of the uncharted times. Um, it's not so bad. I, there's going to be, you've got to watch out for, uh, New Orleans. Everybody that lives around New Orleans is going to definitely need flood insurance. Because New Orleans, Louisiana, and Mississippi are going to be hit with uh, uh, some major flooding. Um, you're also going to see uh, Midwest. You're going to see some. Uh, you're going to see some flooding, some very severe weather coming up the underbelly of the United States, up into Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. You're going to see some flooding also in Houston. Um, very Houston. bad. Houston, really? Mm-hmm. Like, well, they had you know they had a huge flood in Houston uh, about four years ago. If you right. remember, that pattern's going to repeat again. Right. Um, but as far as weather and earth changes going for the East Coast, um, uh, they've got it pretty good. Yeah, I'm not picking up anything anything huge. And if and if I do, I you know, first thing I do is I put it in the newsletter and ship it out to people that I'm getting an impression or an image. It's also, I mean, the reason I also print a newsletter is because it's uh, and not a a book is because the closer that I get to these events, the more the more detail, the more you can sort of see the you know the, the knobs and fuzz on them, so to speak. What about '98 for UFOs? Um, the biggest thing, probably the biggest thing as far as UFOs is going to be, is that uh, just as we had, I think this live extraterrestrial creature that's now been on on video, uh, just as you had a prediction that I made in the newsletter that the same type of phenomenon that's been going on down in Mexico City. Uh, and in South America was going to start happening in the United States. I think the biggest thing is going to be that you're going to actually see a, 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 a mothership uh, filmed in broad daylight over a major southwest city. Boy, I'm telling you, the action is here in the southwest, isn't it? Yep. Well, it's all coming up from Mexico and South America, and, and uh, there seem to be, uh, at least according to the contactees that I've interviewed, a, a large number of bases in Brazil and... Um, you know, a whole series of very, very interesting things going on in the uh, in the jungles of Brazil and Ecuador, and and of course a lot of stuff, always a lot of activity down by the uh, the South Pole. I feel like Whether, I ought to be moving to Vermont or something. Well, it's. Uh, <laughs> I mean, remember you had all those sightings in Wisconsin too. I mean, you had uh, uh, major sightings in Wisconsin and the Hudson Bay in New York City, but I mean, you're gonna you're gonna start seeing this type of phenomenon: tubular-shaped craft and uh, uh, V-shaped craft. As a matter of fact, one of the most interesting things that I felt about the uh, uh, the Phoenix lights were that there were actually three craft that were reported. It could have been one of them could have been the same same craft. It was interesting that these craft were sort of a gigantic A, and that there was another craft that was spotted that was that that looked like the ships in, in Independence Day. They had like two fins that were coming off the back of them and a very large uh, uh, a very large disc, but that these Three ships that they saw actually formed what we would call the Alpha and the Omega. Hmm. So I just thought that was kind of strange. So uh, a mothership filmed in broad daylight over a southwest city. Right, southwest. That'll we're change some thinking, that's for sure. Talking California, California, Arizona, New Mexico, as far over as as Texas. Um, you're also there's a lot of. There's a lot of uh, well, you've already got the communications already established in uh, in Atlanta, but um, you know North Carolina and Carolina are also going to be on the map quite a quite a great deal just because of all of the uh, 
those two states are going to be very substantial economic boom towns because a lot of the film industry is going to start mm -hmm. moving out to Carolina. All right, the Kaczynski trial is underway, and uh, they're, you know, it's, it's going in some very interesting uh, directions. What do you see happening there? Whatever happens, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, excuse me, just choked up. Sorry, no uh, Kaczynski gets the electric chair. I don't know what state has the electric chair, but he, he fries the electric chair. Well, he I does. think it's Pennsylvania. I think he sent something to Pennsylvania, but one way or another, Kaczynski gets the chair. He does not get, uh, he does not get life in prison. He gets sentenced to death. And it, and wherever he is convicted, it is the state that has an electric chair. So you see him going? Him going to the electric chair. It's going to take a while, but eventually he, he goes to the electric chair. All right. We and have, we have been toying with, uh, I think trying to provoke a new conflict with Iraq. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think we've been disappointed several times and we've been right up to the brink. We've been putting hardware in place and moving people. And I think we are trying to provoke another conflict with Iraq. What do you see in 98? Um, the first part of uh, the first part of '98 is actually going to be very, very tame. There, there seems to be uh, there seems to be a, a protection once again around the United States. And remember, it's that it's that pattern, that cycle that I was talking about, that seven year cycle, right. where at the end of September, October of 1998, that's going to be the end of the of the seven year cycle. Then we go into a seven year war cycle directly after that. So from '98, uh, '99. 2000, 2001, 2002, 3, 4, 5, all the way up through 2005. It's nothing but wars everywhere. Um, really? We've had a relatively enforced period of peace, and this is because um, um, I think for all the bad things you can say about Clinton, I think the, you know, the only good thing about him is he doesn't, you know, I mean, he's, you know, I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but obviously he's at odds with the military and uh, seems to be a bit of a pacifist, but you know, I, I I think that there's going to be relative enforced peace. I think Iraq is going to back down. Iraq has been made out to be the big bad guy in the world international scene when they have they have obeyed every restriction that the United Nations has placed upon them. Uh, they're already doing business with Russia, with Germany, with France. We're getting no support in Europe whatsoever. And the only thing we want to do is keep Iraq off the world oil market because if we let them back on the market, the price of gas will drop you know almost by half. Mm -hmm. So we have to come up with some excuse to keep the Iraqis off. However. As part of this, you are going to see a a may, part of the confrontations, even though Iraq is going to back down, is going to involve an anthrax attack, a terrorist attack of anthrax. Oh, here we go. Anthrax is something that anybody can make. There's going to be relative enforced peace. I think Iraq is going to back down. Iraq has been made out to be the big bad guy in the world international scene when they have... They have obeyed every restriction that the United Nations has placed upon them. Uh, they're already doing business with Russia, with Germany, with France. We're getting no support in Europe whatsoever. And the only thing we want to do is keep Iraq off the world oil market because if we let them back on the market, the price of gas will drop you know, almost by half. Mm -hmm. So we have to come up with some excuse to keep the Iraqis off. However, as part of this, you are going to see a... A may, part of the confrontations, even though Iraq is going to back down, is going to involve 
an anthrax attack, a terrorist attack of anthrax. Oh, here we go. Anthrax is something that anybody can make. Some, you know, an idiot in a lab with $5,000 can make anthrax. I mean, the late news, by the way, is that what they thought was some sort of Ebola-like illness in Africa is they are now confirming anthrax. Well, they're also, I believe, giving... They're in the process of uh, giving out military alerts and also in the process of giving out various uh, various shots. Uh, hey, one and a half, one point four million military people to receive these series of anthrax shots. Right, actually. and and that a lot of that has to do with uh, with what's going on in Iraq. Um, part of it might not even be Iraq. It might also be that these guys contract anthrax from the vaccine. So it's uh, something that has to do with the conflict for, for, with Iraq. Uh, develops into a uh, you know a substantial uh, anthrax uh, problem here, um, but other than that, I think it's uh, you know every confrontation that we're going to have with them, uh, Iraq is backing down. Most of the covert war that's going on is we're trying to position ourselves in such a way because Iran is actually the threat that we're trying to really take care of. And you don't hear about Iran that much in the news, but the fact that both Iraq and Iran are doing business with China. And China is selling them electric submarines and is and uh, uh, is selling them ca- uh, nuclear capabilities. And that's another big thing that's going to happen as well. Is that both Iran, Iraq has been nuclear for quite some time. Iraq has actually had four nuclear weapons, only two of which actually work. Um, and that's one of the reasons why the Gulf War stopped. Is that uh, you know Saddam Hussein laid down a blackmail charge to the United States, saying I've got these two working atomic weapons, which we know he has, and one of them was pointed at Tel Aviv, and the other one was pointed at the oil fields right outside of Jeddah, and that's what stopped the war. We said, okay, fine, we've taken back Kuwait, you know, everything's cool, we're not going to march into Baghdad, and that came from one of a friend of mine who was one of George Bush's personal advisors during the war, who was a former Iraqi fighter pilot, but that's what they're the most worried about, is that that there's going to be a lot of these little podunk countries this year, because of this gigantic influence of Aquarius, astrologically with both Uranus in Aquarius, it's the first time it's been there for 86 years, uh, Neptune in Aquarius, first time it's been there since 1833, uh, of all these countries going nuclear and getting nuclear bombs and going ballistic. So this third period of conflict with Iraq, I think eventually Iraq will back down, uh, and it, but it'll be a very low-level conflict, and I think that's why the anthrax is going to be involved, because there's not going to be a lot of, you know, there's not going to be like an invasion, but there will be an attack in such a way. All right. One, one other thing, too, that I'd like, as long as we're on this, um, and uh, let me give some credit to, uh, you know, my buddy uh, Robert Egan, um, Nostrabobus, as we jokingly call him. Um, he was tracking a very, very interesting Nostradamus quatrain, and I don't want to go into the, the huge specifics because they get terribly boring because we tear apart these things with metalinguistic programming, uh, these metalinguistic techniques, et cetera, et cetera. But a, a terrorist attack on Madeleine Albright, really? Secretary of State, which then results in massive retaliation by the Israelis and the United States on the Palestinian world. Wow. Something happens where she's in a conference, possibly in New York or even in the United Nations, and someone manages to sneak in a case or some kind of briefcase bomb that either puts her in the hospital or kills Madeleine Albright. But a terrorist attack against Madeleine Albright that will result in... And it's actually, it was interesting because when Bob was actually tracking the, uh, the prophecy, um, oh. it had to do with 
there were 700 people that are actually rounded up. You know, the Israelis overreact and round up these 700 people, and something actually occurs where they, like, draw lots and they, like, kill half these people. It, it'll be like some kind of massacre, but it's a overreaction by the United States to an assassination attempt on Madeleine Albright, which has which which then tears the Middle East wide open. Once again, a lot of this war stuff happening late October. We're looking at we're entering this next war cycle in 1998, all the way through 1999. Now, listen, I I I don't want you to hold back from making uh, incredible predictions. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, the IRS, uh, the the president recently. Uh, made noises as though he was going to propose a modification of the tax system, maybe even getting rid of the IRS, going to some sort of flat tax, and then, then he sort of backed away from it. Uh, the White House said, well, the president was just speaking offhandedly or something or another. What may happen during the year with the IRS? Well, here's a, here's one I can, I can virtually guarantee that by the year 2002, um, and possibly by as soon as 1999, that you are going to see the destruction of the Internal Revenue Service, the 16th Amendment, and the Federal Reserve as we know them. Now, the reason for this is very interesting. We're going through something, and, and this is it, when you study history and cycles and patterns, you can actually see that the last time Uranus was in Aquarius, which was about 86 years ago, what, last time Uranus was in Aquarius, it moved into Aquarius uh, January uh, January 30th of 1912. And, of course, when it moved into it, a year later, we got basically the entire economic infrastructure of the United States because you got the 16th Amendment, which was passed you know, in a rather haphazard, I believe, illegal way. But you got the 16th Amendment, you got the Internal Revenue Service to carry that out, and you got the Federal Reserve System virtually by constitutional amendment. Everything that is begun with Aquarius in that aspect, when Aquarius comes back around in this 86-year cycle, it will, in fact, destroy. Now, the, the, greatest, the greatest irony of this, and this, this, this is going to lead into you know, some stuff that some people are really going to want to hear about, the greatest irony of this is that Aquarius rules computers. It rules computers, it rules computer software, it rules mainframes, and it rules the destruction of those systems. So at the same time, 1980, the last time that Uranus moved into Aquarius was January 15th of 1996. 96, 97, 98, we're going through this pattern where everything that Uranus began 86 years ago, it is now going to destroy. Well, for the longest time, I'd known that these infrastructures were going to completely collapse, and I couldn't put my finger on how would the infrastructures collapse, how would the government go to a new computer system, how would, how would they eventually get to institute like smart cards and computer chips in the back of people's hands and, and you know, the back of their foreheads, et cetera, et cetera, when finally it dawned on me. The last newsletter I wrote, the last month's newsletter was called The Millennium Crash, and I did an entire article on... Um, on the year 2K problem, that of course, and you're familiar with this, and oh, yes. spoken to some computer experts on this, that 38 states, along with the federal government and the Federal Reserve System, both Social Security and the Internal Revenue Service, when they began their mainframe computers in the 1950s and 60s, they did not use up the very valuable memory space and lines of code to put the 1 and the 9 in. And so, when these, when the states, these 
38 states that use the mainframe computers, their fiscal year 2000 is actually July 1 of 1999, and the federal fiscal year is October 1 of 1999, which just so happens to be right at the period of time that Uranus is conjuncting exactly where it was when these when these awful systems began 86 years ago. So there's going to be a big computer kaboom. A gigantic computer kaboom. And not only, I, I was sitting watching C-SPAN, watching Arthur Gross, who's the deputy director of the Internal Revenue Service, on C-SPAN, saying the only thing we can hope to do is possibly stay in business. He's saying we can't save the structure. We can't. They've offered Microsoft, TRW, all these major computer companies who have offered to fix the problem. The Internal Revenue Service is saying to them, you've got to put up 200 to $500 million of your own money to come fix our system, and then once it's fixed, we'll think about, say, we'll think about paying you. <laughs> On top of that, they are telling the Internal Revenue Service employees that we want you to streamline everything, put the codes in place, and once everything is streamlined and fixed, you will be fired. Well, you can imagine that an operation like this would make the DMV look like the Summer Olympics. Absolutely. All right, look, we're getting near the top of the hour. One lighter prediction for the end of this hour. Uh, and it's a short-term prediction. Short I want to ask you, well, I'm, I've got a specific question. Who is going to win the Super Bowl? Oh, 49ers. <laughs> 49ers? Oh, yeah, 49ers. <laughs> Uh, how can they do that without I'm, rice? I'm totally prejudiced. What kind of prediction though? is that? I'm totally prejudiced. I grew up in San Francisco, so any psychic abilities I have, I throw out the window because I got to bet on the Niners. I've been <laughs> I've been going to the 49er game since I was a kid. Uh, uh, uh. It's got to be it's, it's got to be the Niners. Got to love those you, Niners. You, I mean, you say that even after the the terrible terrible embarrassment they had a couple of weeks ago. What was well, it? You know they're going to beat the Vikings. <laughs> well, maybe the Vikings, but uh, how are they going to get back? Uh, pass the pack. I think it'll be a great game. I think it'll be. I, I, I think it'll probably be the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And Kansas City? What about? I know, the, it's terrible. What about the Packers? I don't think I've. I don't think I've. I've never been too good at football predictions, but <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Do you have any other than that nice, light-hearted predictions for '98? Um, well, we had some. Uh, you know, some interesting. I mean, just to. Uh, do we have any more time left? Or no, we time? really don't. Well, look, give out. When we come back uh, in some markets, I want to begin taking calls. All right? I think we've gone through a lot of stuff here, and people have questions. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, if they want your newsletter, give out the phone number. Okay, please. Uh, the Thank you very much. The uh, phone number. David Morton, Sean, are you there? I'm right here, Bob. There you are. All right. Um, Dear Art, what the hell's the truth about the bird flu on the news at the top of the hour? They said that, one, you can only get this virus by handling the infected chickens. Two, it cannot be passed from one person to another. Three, you could eat an infected chicken and it would be digested and not harm you. And four, it is only live chickens that can harm you if you handle them. Now, I also have heard this late news. But personally, I don't think they know what they're talking about. I've heard every variation you can imagine so far. And I think with uh, most like mo most breaking stories, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. That's my take. What do you think? Okay, here's the here's the here's the bottom line. Um, the actually none of the workers have actually gotten the flu. It's only been people that have uh 
for some reason only only had like secondary contact with them. Um, it's Medical still the workers. The of, of Hong Kong's health officials to act with more urgency was due from orders to whether or not it was due from orders from Red China is uh, not sure or not. Uh, let me see. Let me check it. Uh, let me give you the. I'll give you what I've got as the actual current update on this. That uh, while the U.S. media, with encouragement of government health officials, has downplayed the epidemic, residents of Hong Kong are reportedly in a near panic. Health officials working in Hong Kong and the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta claim they don't know how people get the disease. Nine of those stricken are are staff members of hospitals where right. the two people who have died from H5N1 were treated. One victim was a three-year-old. The other was fifty-four-year-old man. Uh, chickens came from the south, the Gungdung province. Huge number of chickens have reportedly died from the flu. You know, not even in this article, which is the most current thing I can see. Uh, do they really know how bad it's going to get? Just that there's been a lid that's been placed on it, and the Chinese are trying to are, are now finally acting and doing everything they can to kill as many of these uh, infected chickens as chickens as they can. Well, if it has already done a species jump and and can uh, infect human to human, then it may already be too late. Well, it's a direct it is a direct descendant, according to the chart I'm sitting here looking at now, of the Spanish flu from 1918. Mm. All so right, that's, that was H1N1. This is now H5N1, which is basically the same flu that caused outbreaks in 1918, 1957. 1968, 1997 in the USSR, and uh, I'm sorry, 1977 in the USSR, and uh, 1968 was the Hong Kong flu, which so many people caught in San Francisco and oh, yes. uh, killed a lot of people in the United States, and now the chicken flu in 97. So. All right, all right. Here we go to the phones. First time caller line. You're on the air with Sean David Martin. Hello. Good evening, Mr. Bell. Hi there. Where are you? I'm calling from the beautiful slopes of Mount Shasta. Oh, yay! Okay. My favorite place. It's wonderful to have you on FM here. We can finally hear you. There you go. Stereo. So I have um, a very puzzling question I'd like to ask tonight. Um, speaking of the earth changes and um, the earth fluctuations that you've been speaking of, and also which I'm looking forward to getting Mr. Art or Mr. Bell's book, <laughs> which will also speak of these things. Oh, yeah. um, there is a phenomena here that many locals are aware of, which has been going on for about 20 years here on the mountain, and they call it the McLeod Sound. And it occurs twice a year, once in the spring and once in the fall, and it is a rhythmic beating in the earth, a vibration hmm. that can be heard. And for, well, I'm a journalist, and I've followed the mountain for 12 years now as a journalist, and it's it's a very rare phenomena, and actually Forest Service does not even have anything on recording or in their in their history of of this sound. But the locals have called it the McLeod sound for many years, and it is it sounds almost like a jackhammer beating into the earth, and it goes boom, 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 boom. Boom, boom, boom. So it's kind of like the Taoist hum or what they were calling the Monterey heartbeat for a while. Is, and, and I'm very curious. Yes, I'm looking for more information, and I was wondering if you were picking anything up on this or if you or Mr. Bell could could find more information. Well, I have never heard of it. Um, I've never heard of it either, and I and I thought I, 
do every weird thing. As a matter of fact, my great-grandfather was John Morton, who explored and discovered a lot of the caves up in Mount Shasta up around and through there. So it's, it's I mean, there's gigantic cave systems that run all through Shasta and Lassen and, and in all surrounding areas. And there certainly can be some, you know, some kind of activity going on. But well, I, I would very much like to hear more about it. Yeah. So if somebody out there has more info on the McLeod effect or sound, uh, please send it to me. Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Uh, good morning. How are you, dude? Fine. Where are you? I'm in Indian Springs. This is Lapto. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, I have a question for you, Art, and a two-part question for your guest. Uh, the question for you, Art, is whatever became of the meteor or proposed meteor that uh, landed possibly over Greenland, and then uh, I you... will. Okay, I will have an update for you on that soon. They believe they have found the impact point, and they're talking about an equivalent of tens of thousands of kilotons oh. of impact. So I, I, I'm. I'm on that story. Great. Uh, uh, for you, uh, Mr. Morton, I got a two-part question. Okay. Uh, do you believe um, extraterrestrial civilizations come and go from bases underneath the Earth's crust, and do you believe uh, the human race are the result of their their uh, their imperfections? All right. All right. So, uh, are there things people um, living within the Earth? Well, according to according to the Tibetans that I lived with in Nepal, yes, they said that they they speak of a serpent race of beings that are called the Nagasarachi, which are part of their their legends. Um, according to you know many many of the contactees and abductees that I've spoken to, they talk about the crust of the Earth being um, very porous. That there are huge subcontinents. As a matter of fact, they discovered a gigantic subcontinent underneath uh, Tibet. Uh, which is called Agarta Major, and then another area which is called Agarta Minor underneath the Gobi Desert. But actually the subcontinent underneath Tibet was discovered by the Red Chinese when they were doing atomic testing in the late 1980s, which had been um, what the Tibetans had said was there all along. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff crawling around underground. The, the, the planet is uh, very porous. It's very There, there are large tunnels and, uh, and subcontinents and, you know, God knows what's under there. I've heard specifically about the Nagasarachi, which are a serpent race, who are somehow controlled or allied with the Alpha Draconians, um, very much like supposedly the human races on the surface are supposed to be allied with the Pleiadians and the Syrians and what have you. Which All right, the, are we the descendants of the biblical Adam and Eve or... Are we the product of some sort of extraterrestrial intervention? Well, the, you know, the word Elohim means those who come from the sky, and the misnomer about Adam and Eve was that they were the first ones. They were the first progenitors of a specific race or class of people, whereas there were, you know, thousands, possibly millions of people on the planet at the time that Adam and Eve were actually bestowed and or conveyed, as was when Cain went north to the land of Nod to take a wife. There had to be a a land of nod for him to go to. So, uh, and there's a lot of misinterpretations about the recreation of the planet in Genesis that the earth was without form and void, that it was a, uh, you know, sort of a, just kind of an icy sphere when the Elohim or those who came from the sky decided to then recreate it to, uh, bring life back to the planet. So, a lot of things about that in theology that, uh, uh, that have been debated on for a while. But yes, I, you know, I, I do believe that the humanity is a star-spanning race and a star-spanning species, 
and I do believe that super technology using humans have been using planet Earth for well on to 22 million years. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Good evening, my heart. Sean. Where are, where are you, sir? This is Alan in Augusta, Georgia. Hi, okay. Alan. How are you, buddy? Doing okay. I had a question for Sean about the uh, Ed Dames, I think it was, and one other guest had mentioned a polar shift mm -hmm. of the magnetic spectrum. Yes. Have you seen anything on that? Um, it's a disturb. It, it's it, we talked about it a little bit earlier when we were simply talking about the military report, uh, the flight of the Keybird, which was a white paper uh, that said the electromagnetic north is is jumping, and that when an EM north hits true north, uh, sometime in late 2012, 2013, that there could conceivably be uh, a massive electromagnetic pole shift. I, I don't. Once again, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think there's going to be a um, a global electrical disturbance. Um, I think that you're going to see a, a, a huge number of the technological advancements and achievements that we've managed to develop are going to begin to sort of collapse and implode upon themselves within about the next uh, ten year time frame or so. Uh, the future visions that I've had of the planet and I've written about this extensively of what the Earth looks like about a hundred years from now. Uh, the North Magnetic Pole is substantially different, but does not shift altogether. It's uh, uh, it's actually closer to the border of Canada and, and the United States, but there is no uh, there's no actual polar shift that I've seen from a hundred years from now. Okay, good. Um, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Uh, hi. Um, I had a three part question for Mr. Morton. Oh, three, three part. Three part. Oh, right. Totally quick, but I did want to. Uh, touch on you were talking earlier about uh weather weaponry weather warfare right. um <clears throat> there's been several books well probably dozens written on tesla and i'm not i'm not mistaken i believe that they've mentioned that uh he invented an earthquake machine that's correct yeah. also uh someone who maybe is a little less known to your listeners uh wilhelm reich right um the cloud busting machine which was um, popularized in Kate Bush's song "Cloud Busting," where in the video I think Donald Sutherland plays. Okay, you're, you're you're making statements. Do you actually have a well, question? Well, yeah, I do. Uh, what I was going to say about that was he did successfully make uh, some experiments where clouds formed, it rained. Uh, right. Lo and behold, UFOs the, the showed up. Colorado Springs experiment, and the question is now: Are they using him, and where are they using him, and what? And what I was picking up was that there were stations in Africa, uh, uh, Ecuador, um, the northern part of Canada, and Alaska that seemed to all be sort of playing against each other. All right. Uh, first time caller line. You're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Art? Yes. Hi. Hi. Where, uh, where, where are you, sir? I'm in Portland, Oregon. Okay. All right. Love Portland. Turn, turn your radio off. Okay. I'm trying to find out uh, if you said anything about Klamath Falls, Oregon, and... Uh, how that relates to um, the Earth changes. Well, we certainly uh, had something said about uh, offshore Oregon. And yeah, and also I think we talked about Klamath Falls, too. Let me just go through my notes here. Sorry. You just hit it for a second. Yeah, so I get it right. Yeah, um, Oregon, Klamath Falls, um, I was picking up some earthquake activity in April, around the same time that there's uh, earthquake activity in Alaska. And also... Um, it's going to be very wet up in, uh, you know, right up around where you guys are, you know, like usual. But there's going to be a lot of flooding that's coming down from the, uh, from right off the Oregon border. 
down into California, which I think is going to rupture some dikes and dams. Um, and there's also going to be some problems because there's right off the coast of Eureka, which is, um, you know, Klamath Falls is certainly, uh, you know, yeah, certainly inland. About a hundred miles. Yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit more, but, um, just some, you know, nothing huge. I'm not picking up anything major. So I mean, you don't see nothing with Shasta happening at all? No. Nothing. Good. Thank it's you. All, it's all right. seismically quiet this year. Now that's, all bets are off for, for, very, very late this year and then the early part of 1999. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Hello. My name is Tom. I'm calling from Orlando. Hi, Tom. Yeah. Um, my region job promotion is going to have me doing a lot of air travel this year. Mm. How's both the military and um, domestic travel is going to look alike? Really, really bad, Tom. It's it's um, the, the major problem and... This will be a huge scandal if it ever gets out. But you know, there were you know, all these military planes that were all falling out of the sky. Oh yes. Uh, we're all using some new computer systems. Uh, part of them were done by TRW, and the other ones were done by Morton Thiokol. And uh, the computer systems were defective that they were putting in these planes, and they didn't want to admit they'd basically been ripped off by a contractor, which is why we had a series of what almost 20 of these planes. Uh, the only thing that was similar about them was this particular uh, computer part that was defective that was placed in them. At the same time, there's a lot of beam weaponry stuff that's going on. It, whether or not it's the uh, the actual weather modification that is either space-based or possibly lunar-based, um, but I, I'm telling you, this this whole next year, especially the first four months of the year, you are going to see the, the biggest air disasters and air crashes ever. It's It's just... As a matter of fact, what I was touching on a little bit is that the air disasters and air terrorism is going to get so bad that there's actually going to be a federal agency that's going to be established just to control the movement of people, and it's going to have a, uh, you know, it's going to restrict the movement of, movement of people, and it's going to be, this next year, you're going to see people get so fed up with the airlines and what's going on with not only them going bankrupt, but the restrictions on the airlines that they're going to start resorting to buses and cars and trains, anything so they don't have to um, don't have to fly a plane because the the aeronautic infrastructure of the United States is crumbling. And when I talk about that terrorism as well, that I mean, an open possibility of this is that a gang or some sort of organized crime cartel or some uh, some terrorist organization uh, gets their hands on a couple of parakeet or stinger missiles. And, you know, with a case of those things, you could basically hold the entire aeronautic infrastructure of the United States hostage virtually indefinitely. There is a report that 100 suitcase nukes are missing. When do you see the first uh, nuclear device used in anger? Um, well, let me, let, let me rephrase that. That's the, a long, that's a the long next, way off. The next. A uh, long way off. Good. Yeah. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hi. Oh, hello. Hi, uh, turn your radio off, yes. please, and tell us where you are. I'm in Boston. Boston. My name is Al. All right. About that lady who called about those noises, you can look it up in a book called, I would have faxed it, but I don't have that stuff. The Day That Lightning Chased the Housewife and Other Mysteries of Science, edited by Julia Lay and David Sevold. One chapter on page 205 says, what was that noise? <laughs> and it talks about um, things called... Uh, a mist porphyrs, fog belches off the coast of Belgium, Cornwall thumps in Ontario, Barisol guns in India, Brontidi like Sunday in Italy, Seafarts in the Bay of Fundy, but they are also similar. Scientists refer to them all as Brontides. And they talk about uh, Indian legends and 
Lewis and Clark. Anything about Mount Shasta specifically? Uh, California. You, uh, it says... Because um, she was talking about Mount Shasta. It says it's uh, subsequent theories con connected to sounds with uh, collapsing riverbanks. All right. Well, that, that doesn't sound like what that lady was talking about because it came uh, in the spring and fall regularly. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Yeah, actually, my question was um, what connections to the domestic or military intelligence communities does your guest have, his sensitives, and does he predict in our lifetime that George Bush will ever serve any time in prison? <laughs> Good one. one All right, uh, are, are you in the CIA? Uh, no, I've, I've never been in the CIA. I've never been in the military. Uh, you know, the closest I've ever gotten in the military was basically climbing up on top of a hill that looks down on Area 51. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we certainly pissed off a lot of people in the military when I'm I was sure. working for Geraldo and, and, uh, you know, I'm basically just a, you know, I'm an, I'm, I'm a good researcher. I've an investigative reporter that's done a lot of television, uh, you know, who happens to be a sensitive that has a lot of spiritual training, both theological and, uh, monasterial in Tibetan disciplines and, and Western theology. But no, I, I have no connections to any military organization, trust me. Okay. Um, good morning. You're on the air with Sean David Morton. Not a lot of time before the bottom of the hour. Where are you, please? Hey, this is Kurt from Milwaukee. Hi, Kurt. Hey, Sean, hey, glad to hear what you had to say about the 49ers. <laughs> but you're from I've Milwaukee. always been a big fan of theirs, <laughs> even though I live here. Uh, I was a little disturbed about the turbulence, uh, the air flight from Tokyo the other day. Yep. Do you think that's going to be a cause of air disasters? Well, uh, this like year? we were saying, the jet stream is being pushed down, and whether or not it's a natural phenomenon that's due to electromagnetism, or whether or not it's a space-based or lunar-based phenomenon where the jet stream is actually being being pushed down, you have this gigantic... All I can tell you is that, and, and let me try to put it into an astrological and astronomical perspective, you've got this amazing energy that's coming that has to do with all of these planets for the next four months all moving into Aquarius, and the sign of Aquarius rules the air. It rules air disasters. It rules electronic devices in the air blowing up. It rules you know, computers inside planes, and one of the biggest things, airports, airplanes, airliners, air crashes, control over air travel is going to be one of the biggest and hottest topics of, of the entire coming year. All right, we've got to hold it right there. It's the bottom of the hour. And I want to remind everybody out there, if you would like a copy of this program, so very much information in it, you can get it by calling 1-800-917-4278. Sean, are you there? Right here, sir. All right. Well, it's been a wild one, that's for sure. Oh, we, we always have fun, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fact. We always get on the phone and just have a great time. All right. It's, just, it, it's also so great, too, because all your listeners are, are, you know, they're so intelligent, and you just got the, you have absolutely the best audience in the world. We, we do have a good audience. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Yes, hello. The reason you have the best audience is because you have the best show. <laughs> well, that's kind. Where are you? In Miami Beach, Florida. Miami. Oh, our new affiliate there. Yeah, and now we can hear you great. Well, that's what we wanted to hear. Great. You have the best show. I used to uh, really suffer trying to listen to uh, 1400 FTL because it's very bad reception here in Miami Beach. So I used to suffer every night because I wanted to hear you, but now it's great. I'm up every night now. All right. Listen, I, my question is... Uh, 
What about uh, Israel and, and uh, the Palestinians? What's going to happen there? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, quite specifically, once again, if the if the the Nostradamian prediction we're tracking about Madeleine Albright comes true, there's going to be obviously a lot of military action. I mean, we're we're not going to be able to avoid getting eventually dragged into Israel. Is it going to happen? This year, once again, we're at the end of a peace cycle. So uh, other than minor military incursions that are going to be happening in, in Iraq and, and Israel, I think that by the spring of 1999, you're going to see substantial U.S. presence and U.S. troops right in the middle of all that. Um, I think a lot of the, if the, the terrorist attacks occur, on the officials of the State Department, then you're going to see a, a much more increased presence and, of course, a, a real overaction, a revenge by both the United States and the Israelis. Um, the as far as the I Oslo peace, peace Accords go, I mean, you know, they'll the, the peace should last until the year 2000, technically, hypothetically. The reason I'm more worried now, because since now the Arabs are, are making peace with, with Iran, you know, and... All those countries are going to go against this. Well, you know, that's going to be the big. The big pattern is going to be what's going to happen if Saddam Hussein is, is is taken out or killed. The entire region will destabilize because Saddam Hussein is re basically represents a minority, uh, believe it or not, moderate Ba'ath Sunni government in Iraq, and eighty five percent of the Iraqi people are are you know sort of uh, are are uh, radical Shiite, and of course. The historic alliance between both Iraq and Iran, both a non-aggression pact, has changed the entire balance of power in the Middle East. And eventually, as I've been saying all along, Iran is going to be the power in the Middle East that will confederate much of the Middle East into a new power block to rival the European economic market and the United States. Well, if that occurs, Islamic Jihad. yeah, that's very interesting. Should that occur, I think the war then with the West, and I mean all-out war, is inevitable. It's not going to be pretty. No. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hi. Hi, my name is Larry. I'm calling you out of Benito, Oregon. I listen to you on KPNW. Yes, sir. Hi, Larry. I really like your show. And, Thank you. A uh, little bit off the subjects, but uh, do you see any... Uh, Relief for us people who smoke marijuana. <laughs> That's not off subject. That's a fair question. Um, the biggest thing, uh, once again, the three things that we were talking about, actually, uh, actually the four things was technology, major, major, major revolutions in medicine, and uh, very specific things that have to do with the law and how the United States deals with foreigners. The biggest thing it's also going to have to do with marijuana, oddly enough, since it has to do with air, literally the breath again, um, you're already seeing marijuana being accepted medicinally. You're already seeing it accepted in, and, and that, that, that trend towards marijuana being accepted medicinally is going to grow state by state, uh, complete with, uh, people selling seeds and various accoutrements, you know, very much out in the open as they're doing in Canada as a legitimate taxable industry. Um, you're going to see the, the, the hemp market take off as far as, uh, various types of products that are manufactured from it. Um, the medical establishment also, and this is going to be one of the biggest stories, but the AMA and the medical establishment is going to begin, this is the year that it starts to completely collapse, and it will start to implode from the inside because they will not be able to keep a lid on new medical information 
Um, one of the things that we didn't mention also is that I think I think that this is going to be the year that you're going to find a, and I'll say generally, uh, a major medical cure for a major sexual disease. I don't know if it's AIDS yet, but there is, I would say, about a 60% possibility that you'll see a possible AIDS vaccine or finally a successful treatment this year. But medicine is going to be very highlighted, and as long as people go along the medicinal route, um, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're testing cases now in Oregon and Washington and California where, uh, you know, they're using marijuana for stress relief. Oh, yes. So as long as they continue continue along the lines of it being a uh, medicinal herb, um, but the laws against it are going to collapse as these organized structures are going to collapse. We, we shouldn't be speaking in, 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 in terms of destruction anymore. We should be thinking in terms of destructuring because all of, Hmm. All of this is about to become destructured all around you. All right. Um, first time caller line, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Thank you. This is Chip from Kansas City. Hey, Chip. Hi, Chip. Hello, guys. Um, hey, how about those Chiefs? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have a hundred push-up bet. They're not going to make it to the Super Bowl. Okay, well. I think they'll make it this year. The, the Chiefs are not going to make I th I think the Chiefs are the next most likely to make it myself. Well, they, oh, I'm going to... Do a hundred push-ups if they make it. Really, really. But uh, send I, I me love... a send send me a video. Uh, it's not the sports <laughs> channel. Well, well, I didn't. <laughs> the key is I didn't tell them I'm going to do it all at one time. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'll I'll stretch about over a year. All right. Anyway, do you have a question? Are you related to Leon Morton? Leon Morton? Yes. No. Okay, that's curious. All right. Anyway, I have a one quick prediction, and then I have a good question for Mr. Morton. Go. Well, no, you're not allowed to give predictions. Well, I right can't. Now. No, you can give that tomorrow. Darn it. If you have a question, ask it. I, I do. What is your prediction of the life of our son? Ah. It's fine. It's, what, a billion years? It's going to go on a long time. Planet Earth <laughs> is going to be here a long time. we got to... You know, we've, we the the Earth itself has at least another ten to twenty thousand years in it. Question not, is whether we're going to be here on it. Well, uh, we're just uh, the the period. That, this is where everybody gets confused. The period that we're entering now is the pre-millennium. We're not entering the millennial period that's spoken of in prophecy, or even of the uh, or by the Great Pyramid of Giza. We're entering a pre-millennial period, very very briefly and very quickly. This, this is a good question. By 1999, the date that's given in the Pyramid of Giza is February 21st of 1999 is when the Kingdom of Heaven comes to Earth. That means the battle lines are going to be drawn about what it is that people believe and what it is they are willing to do and sacrifice to make their beliefs a, a physical thing on the planet. There will be a 40-year exodus period that leads up, this is according to the biblical, uh, according to the pyramid time coding, a 40-year exodus period that will lead to the highest state of mankind and the lowest state of mankind, literally heaven on earth and hell on earth at right. the same time. Right. And this 40-year exodus period allows one entire generation to pass away, so a new generation will grow up educated in the laws of the laws of creation and the laws of, of, of freedom and how to think for yourself and fend for yourself, which then culminates in the birth of the next central messianic figure, very clearly points to... A person born in Bethlehem in 2 B.C. as being the first central messianic figure, and the next central messianic figure will be born somewhere in England and or around the area of Stonehenge in 2034 and take control of the planet through some sort of monarchical system by 2039, which would be the birth of the 
the Messianic figure, the Messiah. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Hello, this is Gene from St. Louis. Yes, sir. Two-part question. Hi. Uh, first of all, uh, can you tell me something about the St. Louis area? And how about investments for the near future? Thank you. All right. Um, I, I, I don't have any information about St. Louis and Missouri at my fingertips. There's not going to be, uh, uh, you know, I don't think there's going to be any major fracturing in the New Madrid fault this year. Uh, as far as investments goes, man, you, you, you want to make a million bucks right now, find, find the pharmaceutical company that makes, uh, uh, amantadine. Amantadine is, so far as we know, the only known treatment for the uh, H5N1 chicken flu virus, and there's not enough anywhere on the world market right now. So um, that's a medical stock for you. Find out who makes uh, uh, amantadine as a as a treatment for this this flu virus. Uh, you know that'll I, I guarantee you that stock will skyrocket. The other thing is is that gold is a great investment right now as far as. Yep. Uh, pre-1933 non-newsmatic $20 gold pieces, and it's very, going to be very tricky because the market is going to sort of go, is going to go in spurts, but there's going to be some amazing technical stocks. Specifically, um, I think IBM is going to continue to be huge because they're they've just come up with the voice technology. Um, uh, I think Apple Computer is also going to make a big comeback as well. So it's uh, you know those are just you know general things roundabout. I'd have to you know sit down and think of specific things but once again technology stocks are going are, are going to start to you know create sort of a, a second boom um, medical stocks and, and any legitimate company established company that's actually investing in 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 homeopathic or alternative medicine right. alternative medicine is going to be an alternative medicine breaking out of the box it's going to be the another gigantic story in 1998 that finally the inroads are going to be made that will begin to sort of implode and collapse the medical establishment. I'm really dying to get my hands on some of that voice software that is now coming out. It's I'm, very cool. I, I I had a friend of mine, and we played around with it. It's great. Is it? Yeah, it's I'm very dying neat. to try it. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hi. Hello. Going once. Going twice. You're gone. Gone. Uh, Wildcard line, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Art? Yes. Yeah, I've been waiting for eight minutes. I've been trying to be quiet so I wouldn't be making any noise. <laughs> but, uh, oh, by the way, amantadine, um, it only, it only, uh, it doesn't really prevent antibodies from forming. Hmm. Well, but, uh, uh it, having antibodies doesn't automatically mean you're going to come down with something. No, it's interesting that out of the 502 people tested, nine did have antibodies and they didn't have any, uh, There you go, and they didn't get sick. Well, it's, just, yeah. it's also just a treatment. It's not supposed to be a cure, and, and they're trying to find a way to make it into a shot or a vaccine, which I think they'll find a way to do. I'm just uh, saying that there's limited supplies of it, so if you find the company that makes it, you know, I guarantee if they if they're public, their their stock's going to skyrocket. So yeah, you know, what I wanted to ask you is uh, is did Nostradamus didn't he have something to say about uh, Atlantis being found in '98? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, Nostradamus, didn't he have something to say about Atlantis being found in 98? Um, no, not Nostradamus. I mean, Edgar Casey did. Oh, okay. Um, Edgar Casey talked about, uh, actually, uh, sections of Atlantis being found in the early 1970s, which was, which was supposedly the, uh, the causeways that were found off of Bermuda. Um, but no, I've, I've got in all my research going through the quatrains and the sextains and everything else, I've, we've never been able to find anything that I know of about Atlantis. All right. 
East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you? Uh, it's Rick in Mississauga, Ontario. Yes, sir. Hi, Rick. How's it going in Canada? Good, good. Yourselves? I'm doing good, thanks. It's Happy nice and sunny in California. Uh, how does this uh, frequency change as it's happening and the uh, electronic failures that you see, how is this going to affect our nuclear facilities? Such as our energy plants that are nuclear, mm-hmm. nuclear weapons, nuclear subs, nuclear ships, airplanes. Gosh, you know, you, you awfully good question, it, actually. The only thing that I can think that it affects is, jeez, uh, you know, to tell you the truth, not being a technical expert really in those fields, I, I, I couldn't tell you other than the fact that they would affect the, uh, they would affect the computer systems that uh, um, that directly control the flows. That's about that's about all I can think of. Other than that, I mean, like, because it's a self-contained power system, um, any of these power systems that are generating a like a sixty-cycle frequency have to be somehow grounded. Um, that, that's a great question. I I, I should it babble. Is, I really don't have an have answer. To ponder for that. on that one know. a little bit. All right, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Sean David Morton. Hello. Hi, Art. This is Fagina in Milwaukee. Hi there. I've talked to you before. Um, I want to say I think it's great you're a Packers fan. I am too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that the Packers are going to make it to the Super Bowl and beat the 49ers by more than 10 points. There you know, this, this has, look, this has not as much to do with being a Packer fan as it does with objectively looking at irresistible force. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Okay, um, I had a question. Um, you had mentioned the uh, Midwest, but mostly the lower Midwest. And, from, you know, in Wisconsin, I was kind of wondering if you saw anything for this area. Where, where are you at again? In Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, I, I, to tell you the truth, I didn't get that far. I, I tell you what, all these people are calling about Wisconsin. I guarantee you, in the next, if, if, if you guys want to get the newsletter, the next issue of the newsletter, I will talk about Wisconsin. Um, the only time I've ever been to Wisconsin, actually, is we were out in, um, um, we were in Wisconsin doing some UFO investigation out there because there was a huge wave in Elmwood, Wisconsin, a oh, few yes. years back. Yes. And, uh, you know, it continues to be a lot of UFO activity out there. Um, the only, the only long range thing that I've got to say about Wisconsin is that the, um, um, you've got an area of the Great Lakes that's not so much this year, but I think next year, uh, it's, it's getting considerably colder in that entire area. And at, at mm. some point in the very near future within the next couple of years, the Great Lakes become one large inland sea, and they begin to freeze over. I mean, it's uh, about two years ago it rained so much that the Great Lakes became this inland sea and then froze, but you'll literally have a period of time where they'll be able to take, like, ice catamarans all the way across the Great Lakes. and um, Wow. You know, and the, Milwaukee's the, right the, on, even, on Lake Michigan. So that the even stranger thing is, is that these, these cold fronts that used to be up in Alaska and Canada are now sort of moving down into the central part of the United States. Which is not a good thing because you're, you know, you're looking at Alaskan and Canadian winters now moving into the, uh, the breadbasket of the United States affecting the food supply. Right. That's right. the biggest problem that I see. And of course, because the, because the winters have been so cold, they've destroyed the, uh, uh, the bee production. And since you don't have a lot of bees, you don't have the pollen and, and, um, I, I do think that we're entering like a second ice age. It's a, it's the end, it's the beginning of another 500 year cycle where we're entering sort of a, a miniature glacial age hmm. that is descending apart upon the central part of the United States that within the next 
you know, very shortly, next two to three to four years, combined with some blights on the wheat crops, is going to uh, create some very severe food shortages in the United States. And, of course, Wisconsin makes a lot of that food. Yes, they do. Okay. All right. All what right. do you think? Let what?